With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Very, very <coughs> interesting week. Really? Okay, wow, go on. The only person in the UK. Oh, I've loved lockdown, I'll be honest. I mean, it's, been, it's been an absolute, absolute yeah. godsend for me, career-wise, financially, relationship-wise, health-wise. I mean, it's the best thing. Whoever had that pangolin <laughs> two Christmases ago, you know, God God bless your Chinese soul, because I've had a, had a wonderful few months. I mean, obviously... Several hundred thousand people have died, but I mean, yeah, not to not to make light of that, but I mean, but you know, I have lost weight and um, I've got money in the bank. So I've, I tell you, I've had a busy week because um, I, I've never, I'm, I'm not what they would call a complete finisher. I never have been. The number of things I've started and stopped is phenomenal. Yes, the number of jobs I've done for less than two years is phenomenal. <laughs> the number of pl- houses I've lived in for less than six months is staggering. Really, before I met Kelly. I was, you know, I, I couldn't imagine me with anyone for more than... Like, Got to ask a question, Mike. A year or two. Kelly. Yeah. How does she team you? Well, it's an interesting... It's a, I mean... Did she team me? I mean, I mean, I mean yes. Um, <laughs> yes, she did, did yes she? massively. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I'm too tame now. <laughs> um, she teamed me. I, I fancied Kelly. That was the thing. I, I, she, I tell you what it was. She was probably the first girl... That I f- really fancied, yeah. That played hard to get. Oh, really? So I, you know, interesting. With, with my looks and physique and my sense of humour, it was usually, you know, yeah. I was, uh, yeah. It came very easy. I was, I can, I was eye candy. I was yes. eye candy. I, yes. I, was, I yeah. was, you know, I was the one saying yes or yeah. no to stuff. 
Know? Yeah. Whereas with Cal, she was, she was non. Well, she said she was non plus. She admitted later that she'd fancied me. She admitted the, way, the first time she saw me walk into school, um, she thought, "Oh, look at that!" And she was talking to her mate about look at me. that, uh, that, yeah. that. <laughs> so she was and that, objectifying but, you. And that, yeah, and that sounds bad because I want to point out that she was a staff at the time. She wasn't a kid. Um, <laughs> well, when I say walk into the school, I mean the school where she yeah. was also a teacher. Yeah. Right? Yes. I love the seventies. Not that much. Not that much. So, <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah, so I I tried everything to, to get her to go out with me. She was having none of it because I mean she could she could tell a player you know you know, so, you know. So what sort of stuff incessant texting. Well yeah, we, I get I kept the old Nokia's because I did text her regularly uh, after a staff. Why do you keep the Nokia's? And, uh, yeah. What's on them? Yeah, Christ! Not just loads of text between me and Cal. So you just text her, "I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you." No, I love you, just I trying that. She, she had a boy. She had a boyfriend. I said, "You complete me." She yeah. had none of it. Yeah. Um, Please, I need this. I'm vulnerable. <laughs> I'm vulnerable. Imagine texting that. I am vulnerable. Yeah, I'm needy. I am. I'm, I'm needy I'm and needy I'm vulnerable. Fucker. And I need. I need this. I can't handle rejection. I'm I don't scared. Like my, I don't like my own company. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, she was. Having, I, I, literally for a year, I, I was. A year. Uh, yeah. Oh, let oh, it give up, Mike. Mike. She doesn't like you, Christ. No, cause, you no, sad cause knew, sack. No, because I knew she fancied me, but I, how? Was, you had no evidence for this. What are you basing she was, this on? Well, I, you can. I can tell me when yeah. you when you're someone like me, you just know, right? So, yeah. I could tell, and then uh, oh, always she'd be quite flirty. She'd be quite flirty. Hi, Mike. Did you have a nice weekend? That's great. Yeah. Bye. Hello, Mr. Have, have you marked yeah. those papers yeah. yet? Can, can I are you using the photocopy? That sort of stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Usual Absolutely flirting. flagrant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So what happened? So, I tell, so texts, um, little chats at staff do's. But she had a boyfriend. Standing boyfriend. outside a window, throwing gravel at a bedroom window, shouting. I would... I, I did You're not to meant write. to be with him. You're meant to be with me. <laughs> well, yeah, basically that. I used to write. I used to write notes. Um, sometimes I'd leave a little note on, under a uh, windscreen wiper of a car. Yeah. Why are you ignoring me? I hate this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know where you live. That yeah. sort of thing. You know, I wrote, not love. Not a love letters. I didn't use the word love, but I would write a little funny a thing back to like front. letters. Yeah. Like back to front on a windscreen so that when she got on the car she could read it. You know, I'm sat in the boot. Like weird, weird. <laughs> I'm in the back Pull over seat, at the lights. Written, written yeah. back. <laughs> Just that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. Flowers. I used to get her flowers sent to the school. Flowers? But she had a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck, I don't care. You um, bastard, Mike. <laughs> So you'd send flowers to another member of staff, even though that member of staff already had a boyfriend. Don't hate the player, mate. Hate the game. Mike. I mean, that's the player, not the what game. Was, I could tell. What did the well, head teacher say? Because I could that's tell. That's inappropriate. Because I could tell she was with the wrong bloke and she should be with me. Ah. And she knew that. Saving it from oh, herself. That's awful. That. I feel sorry for the other bloke. Yeah. No, he was a knob anyway. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Because, um, do you know why he was a knob? Let's I, get him no, on this, the podcast. Let's find out. Get him on. Joining us now on Zoom, good <laughs> golfer. He's boyfriend. here tonight. Decent golfer. It wouldn't bother me in the slightest. Um, <laughs> so in the end, yeah, what happened was, I knew that they would have a rocky time. I think, I think. I mean, you caused the rocky time by the sound of it. But carry on. Yeah. And your very attritional approach to 
to <laughs> no, it's a, to flirt to wooing I, in my I've, bar. I've, right after sixteen months, <laughs> eventually worked. <laughs> On the right of me in my bar is a Wonder Woman poster, which was in her room, which when she uh, changed her, her classroom, I took the poster back with me because it was the poster that broke the ice. So I was going to the corridor one day. She said, excuse me, Mr. Bevins, can you help me put this poster up, please? Classic. What else, Classic. What, that, what else could that mean? Yeah. yeah. What else could it mean? I want to live with from, you and have kids. You know, 100%. Yeah. Drive a wedge between me and my boyfriend. So <laughs> they bought a house together. Oh, my. Michael. I know. You. But it, it gets better my and better. Michael right? How? So she's supposed to move in on the Friday after the working week. And then we had a chat. And I was like... Um, on the maybe on the on the Friday before, and we went out for a walk on the. I'm out for a walk on the Sunday. Never kissed a girl at this point. Never held hands. Never. You'd anything. never kissed a girl. No, no, no. no. Never Can kissed. The no, not this girl. particular girl. The girl. I kissed plenty girls. A girl. The girl. Say. So you went so, out for uh, a walk we had a, with her, even though she was moving in with a new boyfriend. And on this walk, you just said, "I love you. I 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 love you." <laughs> no, I said, "Listen, I think you're making a mistake. It. I think I'm the I'm the one for you, and I think you're the one for me. And I think you, I think you you probably know that, and I know that. I've got a mortgage, um, Mike. Christ. Why didn't you ask me a week yeah. ago? Well, she did, Confidence. Well, that's what she said. She said, "Well, you know, this won't change anything." I said, "I said, well, I said when you move in, I said I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pursue you anymore. That'll be that's just." Wrong. I'll wank quite a lot. And that'll be- <laughs> yeah, that'll be me. That'll, that'll be, be me done. Which I'm quite happy with. I'm all right with it. <laughs> I'm good at it. So, so what happened was, on the Monday, on the Monday, she came to see me in school and she said, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm very serious. And then she said, uh, I know for a fact that you're going out with two people at the moment. <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You well, painted yourself. Oh, I mean, the, wo- the, yeah, the words of a very yeah, serious I, man. The words of a very serious man. I'll, I'll, do you know what? Do you know what, Kelly? I don't I'll, I'll dump both well. of them for you. How could you well, that's what she said. <laughs> she said, dump both of them tonight and then talk to me tomorrow after you've done it. And then we can we can discuss. I like Kelly so a lot. So that's what I did. So I, I, I finished with the two girls that night. Yeah. Two text um, messages. It was done in under 30 seconds. Conference call, cost me, sorted cost it. 20, 24 pence, all done, right? Two texts. <laughs> Actually, I'd rolled over 10 texts from the month before, so it, was, it wasn't too bad. Um, Push a little yeah, post-it so like, note under a door. Wallop. I finished with the girls. Hi, Mike. Which, I'm, which I didn't want to do. I am leaving Why? I'd run out of room. She could guess the rest. <laughs> if you don't want to fucking know, I won't tell you. You're making me seem like a right twat. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. We're doing that. <laughs> right. So you dump the two girls. Yeah. By the by the yeah two two text yeah. messages by, by the Nokia. And I'm not yeah. a prick. I did them both face to face because I'm a nice fella. Oh, right, okay. what a man! Right. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a sort of person who. When did you eat then? So you'd have driven to. <laughs> I'm not fucking you. I didn't have. <laughs> I a burger I cake on the way. <laughs> you don't, you don't I didn't eat four Welsh cakes in the fucking. <laughs> you didn't need to eat between dumpings. Moo maronair between like <laughs> between dumpings. So you so you turn up dumpings. girl number one. Sorry, um, <clears throat> it's not working out. Thanks. Yeah, Drive to the garage. Track a bar. Bag of crisps. <laughs> Cranberry juice. <laughs> Cranberry juice. <laughs> <laughs> Drive to the other girl. That's all done by ten past seven. 
takeaway. I mean, you've eaten by a state. I watched World of War by nine, right? So <laughs> the measure line had been breached. So, and then went in on the Tuesday, all done and dusted, told Kelly what had happened. Uh, she said, okay, well, let's, let's give it a go then. You're obviously serious. She finished with her boyfriend on the Tuesday. They, they'd already bought the house. They were due to move in on the Friday. Oh. So wow. then she had nowhere to stay. She would do, wouldn't have, didn't want to move in with me. It seemed like a bit of a bold move after the first few five <laughs> yeah, minutes, yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, and you had three girls living there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish the old five. Only, did, the, she, only, the, she, only the two she, she knew did, about. She, do, she didn't want to move into the harem. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that was it. So on the Friday, that was it. So um, she lived with her sister for a while, and then she still wouldn't move in with me. Yeah, because she thought I was a bit of an obviously you know. Yeah, I she was wasn't sure it was you. still the real yeah. deal. She was getting to understand my personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, bought her own place, and in the end, it was, just was living in my place nearly all the time. And had her own house. I thought, this is daft. Just bloody trust me, please. It's been two years now. You can <laughs> please. <laughs> I'm obviously not the person I used to be. So uh, yeah. then uh, we bought a house together. Bought this house Tame. together, which brings wow. me on to what I was going to talk about this week. Yes, we bought this house together. We moved in here just before we got married. Yeah. So obviously built the bar. I you know, the kids. I got everything. Else. I got Vic next door with his top off. And we, we, we were going to move. So we put the house on the market last week. Well, the bloke came around, took all the photographs, did everything. And we'd found the place that we wanted to move into. Looked into that. Uh, went to, had like th- two or three viewings on the other place. All good. And then people, friends of mine saw it on like Right Move or whatever. They saw the house. This is your place. I said, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I clicked on the Right Move link. And it, the, the estate agent, it was, a, it was a lovely fella, right? And I've, I've had my issues with estate agents in the past, but not with this one. <laughs> It's that opening gambit. Is this the coolest house in Cardiff? Cool. And then it went through all the house, really nice photographs of all the rooms. He didn't even put the bar on there. He just said, "There's a wonderful surprise, you know, in the back of the house. You know, blah, you have to come see it to believe it." <laughs> and I was like, yeah. "Fucking hell!" Do you like drinking on your own? <laughs> the perfect house. <laughs> Do you like talking to two mates you yeah. never actually see for real? On a computer, on your own. Yeah. Have we got the room for you? <laughs> Do you like to wank in a garage? <laughs> How bleak do you like your Saturday nights? Have you got a breeze block garage you call a pub? Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you could have one. So do you know what? Colin, my mate's got in touch. He said, oh, you're not moving, you mate. My next door neighbour's like, are you going to move? I said, yeah, I think we're thinking about it, but yeah. I said, oh, I'd be really ashamed to see you go and everything. And then the two girls next door to them were asking me today. They'd seen something. They were asking, oh, that's going to be a real pity of you and Kelly moving, blah, blah. <clears throat> My mate Dan Mitchell that Elle knows and oh, you, yeah. you might know Steph. He said, oh, mate, I'd see you moving house. What's the matter? What's, what's going on? You know, blah, blah. I said, oh, fucking hell. All my mates are here. And they're going to hear Vic then next door coughing his flipping lungs up. I thought, imagine I, imagine I move away and something happens to Vic. I said, I can't do it. So I said to Kelly, so I took, I took the house off the market today. That's the second I've, time you've done that. I've done that twice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time was podcast. different. The, fir- the, first time, the first time, the house was too small. <laughs> but we did, so I, that's why we were going to sell. And then I took it off and we just put the extension on and did all the bits and bobs. But the second time was, you know. But I just couldn't do it. I, can't, I just love it. I, just, I love living where I am. Yeah, yeah. I love my neighbours. I love the house. I've got a few more questions about your relationship style. <laughs> I love my wanking grief pit in the back garden. 
I love the wanker's arms wank. right at the bottom. <laughs> the wanker's arms. Just one massive right arm. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I might start calling it the wanker's arms. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm calling it that from now on. Oh, the yeah. wanker's arms. What did... Uh... What do Kelly's parents think of you, Mike? Well, they're divorced with mum and dad. So the first time I met the mother, who's lovely, Maureen, I love her. I put a suit on, suit and tie. Went yeah. down to Swansea. Yeah. Make a first impression. Yeah. yeah. She was obviously bowled over. Classic Shaggers trick. She didn't fall for it for a second. <laughs> Absolutely drenched in dupe with a suit on. <laughs> Every mother-in-law's dream come true. <laughs> Yeah, said, oh my God, are you sisters? Which upset both of them. (laughs) And then the dad, I think the dad had been very close to the ex-boyfriend because they were both sort of football fans and everything else. Great. Swansea City fans and all that sort of stuff. So she said, well, listen, don't be offended if my dad's a bit off with you because he was really close to my ex. And uh, I said, no problem. I go, I know how to deal with parents, that's fine. So I went there, met him, said hello, shook hands, get chatting about sport and whatever. Kelly went upstairs, came back down. Her dad's playing the organ while I'm singing all this song. So me and her dad have formed an impromptu duet. I'm just thinking, if, if my daughter had bought a house with someone, if my daughter had bought a house with someone and the mortgage had all gone through and they were about to move in, and then yeah. she said, oh, Dad, I'm, I'm leaving X... Oh, yeah, why, why are you doing that? Oh, because there's a guy I work with who's been hassling me for 18 months. <laughs> I'm going to move in with him. I would think, oh, that's... Well, as soon as he finishes both his other girlfriend. <laughs> but, um, you know, from, from little acorns out, and now look at us. Two that's kids, true. happily married. Yeah, yeah. Having so much just kissed another woman on the, on the lips since 2000. Two, three, whatever it was, I don't know. Very yeah. good. Straight straight for the fan. <laughs> <laughs> M- means less, doesn't it? Means less. Oh, less intimate, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Open on the lips, please. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so, so basically, since the last podcast, we've put our house up, had the photographs done, had the estate agents around, been to view the other house, Made some plans, talked to the bank, got the mortgage in place, had uh, an offering, what they call it, um, offering principle, is it called, from the bank, yeah. from the mortgage uh-huh. people? Yeah. All the finances in place. Uh, got online with it, taken it offline, cancelled all the viewings, and taken the house back off the market again. In a week, not bad. Wow. And I've also, That's... but then, so we're just, we're just going to tart the place, make it, look, make it look even cooler, and just stay here for another couple of years, well. I couldn't leave Vic, mate. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's you know, and he's he's not a, he's not a well man at the, at the moment. So uh, I said to Kelly, joking, I said, I "Imagine we move away. I'm like Vic dies next week." She went, "Are oh, you prick? We can't move now, can we?" I said, "No, I was joking." I said, "Yeah, but what if it happens now? You you jinxed it." I said, "Yeah, that's true. Bollocks." If you're listening, Vic, and I'd be amazed because you know he still calls the radio a wireless. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm staying for Vic, really. I was at traffic lights the other day. Because I live not far from Mike, for people who don't know the geography of it all. A man started crossing the road, and I waved yeah. frantically at the man because I knew him. 
The man stared at me quite strangely, carried on walking past. And then I realised it was Vic from next door to you, and I know him from Instagram, and I don't know him. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're right, is it going? Nothing, nothing. Carried on walking. Hilarious. (laughs) One of the people who listen to this podcast, I'm not sure if he wants me to mention his name, so I won't just in case, even though he knows who he is, right? Brought me round a lovely gift in the week uh, of a a book and a T-shirt. He sounded trustworthy, so I gave him my actual address, not my dad's. And he called to the house, and Vic was in the front guard. He went, oh, you must be Vic. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what the fuck's this? It was just, you know. Yeah, everyone knows Vic. People know Vic. People say, well, it's nice to see you with your top on, Vic, because he likes to to take his top off, you know. But he will wear a top now until about end of March, and then it comes off until about October then. I've got friends of mine who wear shorts pretty much all year round. Yeah. I think we're short all year round. It's probably quite good for you, like vit- vitamin D wise. Must be. I don't think yeah, you, you can um, you can get or absorb vitamin D from the sun in the UK between mm. like n- October, end of October and um, end of March, I think, because the sun's too weak. But oh. in the summer, get yeah. those blimmin' shorts on. Get get well, that does, bloody top off. Khaki shorts, socks. Oh yeah. Hiking boots, top off. Yes. Tits, job done. Strong. That's a good yeah. look, that. That is. But um, it's weird because he's got... A, when I detach my biceps, and it does look a bit odd, hmm. I know what it'll look like as an old man now when you lose your muscle tone because he's detached both his playing rugby. Really? And it looks really weird, yeah. See, I'd never heard of anyone doing that until I met you. And now there are hmm. two people who live next door to each other who've done it. Yeah. It's not a common injury, is it, detaching your bicep? No, I think the one actually was... he. He's, one was rugby, and I think, I think he used to have a... Own a double glaze, like a, not a double glazing, like a stained glass window company, like a glazing company. And one was either he dropped a, a window on his tendon, Ooh. or he fell out of a window and grabbed him st- to stop himself falling out and pulled it off that way. Ah! Yeah. I tell you, he had a great job. He used to do all the stained glass windows for all the old brains pubs in Cardiff. Oh right? wow! Like the Royal Oak and all that. So. Yeah. When Cardiff had nice pubs. Yeah. Now, of course, they've all been knocked down to build student flats, which I think is great. That's good. It's the future. I think it's great. Knockdown music yeah. venues yes. to build student flats. I think that's cool, actually. Billboard car parks as well. <laughs> yeah. Car parks put the, vo- put the Vulcan, one of my favourite oh. pubs was the Vulcan. The, yeah. the best. You, and you can now enjoy the Vulcan just by going yeah. to the uh, St. Fagans Folk Museum and having a walk <laughs> around the inside of it. They don't serve beer and you can't play darts, but I mean, apart from that, it's just bang on. The only pub that had, the, well, in my sort of era, had proper lock-ins. And you can say it because it doesn't exist yeah. anymore, so I'm not going to offend anybody. Because it was like Royston Vasey. There was this yeah. pub in the... I mean, that that used to be the sort of part of... The the outskirts of Newtown and those sort of areas of Cardiff that were all the immigrant labours, labourers, you know, for 150 mm. years ago. And, and that was the last of those pubs. But they knocked down all the houses around it. So there was yeah. just this beautiful old brains pub right in the middle of everything. That, and then everything had gone. So it was just this beautiful old brains pub. Yeah. With the best pub sign in Cardiff, by the way. I love the old sign of the Vulcan. I went for a drink in the Vulcan about a year before they knocked it down. And um, it was like going on the piss. It was like going in a time machine. It was like going back oh, in time brilliant. about 50 years. It was. Everything yeah. about it, I loved it in there. But oh well, it's progress, isn't it? Building an NCP car park. It's better. It's better. It is better. It's better. It is, it is <laughs> good. Yeah. I'm hoping Cardiff County build some more flats. Cause I, 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 that's, yeah. that's what we need more of. So anyway, what I was going to say about Vic was he used to bring all the old stained glass windows from all those beautiful old pubs back to his back garden, and he'd repair them in the back garden. 
all the oh, old smokers' rooms wow. and billiard room and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm still here because of Vic, really. Vic, my neighbours, and the fact that I fucking love this house. I do love it. It's probably a bit too small. It hasn't got a garage, and I got four cars. I mean, it hasn't got a garage because you're sat in it now, pretending it's a pub. <laughs> I mean, and that's yeah. why it hasn't got a garage. <laughs> yeah, I've got a garage. <laughs> it's yeah. called the Wanker's Arms. <laughs> Yeah, the Wanker's Arms is the garage. You're quite right. Uh, and it was perfect, perfectly good garage as well. Uh, bloody good garage in its day, this was. Um, so I was your week. I asked you, are you, you two? All good, mate. Nothing at that level. Can I just ask you, Steph? You're in the, you're, you're in the kitchen doing this. I'm in today. the kitchen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why have you got Father Christmas pictures on, on, the, on, the, um, on the kitchen door? It's a, it's a piece of art from one of the kids. I can't, I can't take it Bye. down. No, that's the wall. It's bad luck, Steph, after January the 6th. Your household will be blighted with bad luck, Stefan. It is not a festive, Sean Corran. It's just Sean Corran in March, hanging out. Unfortunately, Mr Guerrero, bad luck is bad luck. And I'm afraid, unless you bring that down now, your household will be blighted, (laughs) Mr Guerrero. I think you should mention to your listeners that Sean Corran is Welsh for father. It is, yeah, but... It's yeah. fine. If you can't be bothered to Google, you can't be bothered to Google. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to tell a six-year-old girl that I'm taking down a picture that she's well, done. Well, you need no. to tell her because, uh, <laughs> unfortunately for you and your daughter, Steph, your household will be blighted with bad luck, Mr. Guerrero. <laughs> All right, I'll put in the skip. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, love. Sorry, it's gone. I was talking to one of her friends the other day and... So one of her little friends, who's five, was saying, uh, she was talking about car lights. And she was saying, are car lights always on, Betsy's dad? And I was like, "Um, what do you mean? She's like, well, you know, in the dark, you can see them. I was like, yeah, yeah. She said, when it's daylight, are they on or are they off? Or can we just not see them? I said, well, some of them have got sensors on them. And I went into quite a long explained answer, something you've got to turn on and off. And she went, Betsy's dad, you are very boring. (laughs) <laughs> you should have told her about the European uh, Daytime Running Lights Directive <laughs> This is basically where I was going to with it <laughs> This is a This is a good example of the uh, Bad luck that's blighting your <laughs> Kids finally Finally preaching the truth and t- Waking up to the truth <laughs> Tell you how boring you are My dad today told my 8 year old daughter That she was singing flat And sounding nothing like the song <laughs> <she was singing. laughs> Wow I was absolutely staggered. That's amazing. And she's got a really nice voice as well. Oh, bless her. The older generation, though, they have got a very different approach to praise, in my mm. experience. Oh, my dad especially. Yeah, my, my father's mother was like that. My dad's a big believer in people not getting too big for their boots. Yeah, and also, <laughs> if you don't tell them... Apart from, apart from him. If you don't tell them what they've done wrong... How are they going to inspire themselves to improve? You'll thank me one day? Yeah, that's it. Well, 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 thank well, well, me got, one cru- day. Well, well, I got crushing self-doubt. <laughs> well, I'm in a job I hate because I got an absolutely zero self-confidence. Hey, you did well there in your, uh, in your exam. 98%. So what happened to that 2% then? What, what, what went wrong there? I don't know, these things happen, but do they, though? Because if you're good enough to get 98, surely you're good enough to get 100. Didn't hurt uh, Alex Alex Humboldt. If you hadn't spent so much time in front of that bloody box, you'd have got 100 in our exams. And you're... Imagine getting 100 in your exams. Yeah. (laughs) 
Imagine if that was realistically the target. After I'd gra- after I'd done my MA and I got a temping job because I didn't know what else to do. And there was a woman from Neath who was my line manager. And she was sat opposite me. And on like morning one, it was about half past ten. Mm. And she said, so what's your background then? And I said, uh, well, I'm from Carmarthen and I've been studying. So I did a degree and then I did an MA. But I handed that in a couple of weeks ago. So now I'm doing this, you know, trying to work on my next steps. And she went, right. Temp in data entry for Transco. You've got an MA. And I said, yeah. And she went, I bet your mother cries herself to sleep every night. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, fucking hell. Oh. I said, why? And she went, Leave it out, what Auntie a failure. Mate. What a waste. What a failure. What a waste, she probably says. Yeah, you'll thank me one day. I just want to say quickly, boys, I got a message that just literally pinged through as we were doing this. Um, Go on. From Claire Pritchard-Cutier. I hope I said your name right, Claire. Um, Hi, Mike. Massive fan of the podcast. Great taste. Uh, a true highlight of my week. All good so far. Not sure if you guys have recorded the pod for Tuesday or not yet. Well, we're doing it right now, Claire. Um, but yeah. as Monday is International Women's Day, any chance of picking a female sports clip? Apologies if this is out of line. Please feel free to tell me to fuck off or ignore. Uh, but it's just an idea. Thanks again for the pod. It was truly spe- It is tr- truly spectacular. Kind of regards, Claire, who is a patron as well. So, Claire, listen. Uh, my bad. Um, I I will. I I wasn't aware, like like all good all good men, that that Monday was International <laughs> Women's Day. I'm not one of these blokes who thinks, how come there's no International Men's Day? Because I'm not an utter prick, all right? So, um, and there is one. Is there? If you're a, if you are a massive asshole, and that's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what you're worried about? If you're in a life. bell end of a bloke, then yeah. If if, yeah. You, if, you, if, you, if you think all lives matter, then f- kindly fuck off. <laughs> I will. I will personally give you your Patreon money back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Claire, I, I I haven't picked uh, a, a female clip this week. I do apologise. I mean, do you know what we should do next week for our fiftieth? Go on. We should do all women clips. Yeah. I got I got a couple of crackers I can put on there actually. So what we'll do, Claire, is is next week for our half century. Yeah. It'll be the uh, distant part. Uh, all women special, hosted by three three blokes. It's by three <laughs> white middle class men. <laughs> For International <laughs> Women's Day. So, yeah, the, the public have spoken and we've listened. We'll sort that out for next week, Claire. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right, let's do first round of clips. Mike. Yeah, this is a clip of somebody who knows who they are sent me a couple of weeks ago, and I've had it saved in my little cachet of, uh, of things to use for clips. I love this. So this is from one of my favourite pseudo-sports, 10-pin bowling, a.k.a. bowling. Pseudo-sports. Well, it is a pseudo-sport, isn't it? It is a pseudo-sport, bowling. <laughs> I love that. If the bloke from accounts can get a, can get the maximum <laughs> score. Right. It's a pseudo-sport, isn't it? So this is from the, the uh, professional bowling tour in America. And I love the way they, 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 they make everything into a professional sport over there. There's no such thing as amateur sport anywhere, right? So what for us is like a 
you know, a pissed up thing to do with the people from the office once a week, over there becomes a national tour event, <laughs> full-time professionals playing it. So this bloke is, I'm assuming, winning his frame, if they call it, or winning the whole match, and launching into one of the best examples of self-congratulation I've ever seen. Strike to claim it, a strike to claim it, and he got it! If you, if you, this is even funnier if you've seen Kingpin. Yes, yes. yes. Because Bill Murray in Kingpin is essentially this bloke. There's almost no difference. You watch Kingpin and think Bill Murray is a despicable human being, right? <laughs> and then you see this fella thinking, "Fair play to you. You're right. You either don't own a TV, or so he wins with a strike. Mm-hmm. I've had strikes, big dog's cock, right?" <laughs> And then just goes off on one. And I showed it to my son because he loves these clips, right? He, he, he thought, which most people think when they watch this clip for the first time, that it was the commentator doing a bit of a South American and, and going a bit mad on it. And then he realised it wasn't the commentator. <laughs> it was the bloke talking about himself. Yeah. <laughs> There's the whole bit where he's like, um, you know, yeah, that's right, you're goddamn right. And, he, and he's pumping the air and he's loving it, right? And getting proper angry with himself. And then one of the weirdest phrases in... Well, in the history of anything ever, <laughs> who do you think you are? I am, right? I don't. I don't know what. It's not what do you think you are? I am. <laughs> who do you, who think, you think you are? I am. I thought what? Are you? It, it's borderline insane at that point, isn't it? Everyone who's ever done anything impressive in public, though, has wanted to go nuts like that. And shout yeah. about all the people who've slighted you <laughs> yeah. since you were about 11. Yeah. All of the girls that refused to go out with you. All of the people who called you names wow. at school. You're like, right, this is my time to shine. I've just got a spare at Mega Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me a microphone. I'm going to start shouting. If I had a strike on national television. Yes. Emaciated, bespectacled gimp, Peter Gagan. Would be getting both barrels off me. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> By Peter Gagan. He's that shitty reviewer who gave me an awful oh, review. Oh, shit, yeah, real m- Mealy mouthed review, the fucking nerdy little it's prick. It's great you got over And it. don't cut it out, Steph, because that's my personal opinion. It's, 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 it's my personal it's opinion. Great. It's great He's you got over it, though. It's really good, isn't it? The way you bounce back. Yeah. <laughs> if, he, you bounce if that back, fucking, mate. if that specky little fuck doesn't think I'm going to write a character one day based entirely on him. <laughs> And just change one letter of the name and put in the credits. This bears no resemblance to any person living or dead. When everyone knows it's him, right? Simon Gagan. Double barrel last name. Simon. No, Peter Gagan. That'll be it. Yeah. Or Brilliant. Like, that, you know. like when 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 Peter Cave, fair play to him, did the um, the bloke who fucks dogs in... Um, yes. You know, that's fire safety officer, Keith Lard. Yeah. Keith Lard, L-E-R-D, Lard. Yeah. How about this? Our fire safety bloke is a brilliant, brilliant... We did that Peter Kay thing, and Keith Lard basically interferes with dogs, doesn't he? Yeah. And he goes, he goes what, what do you mean he interferes with dogs? In what sort of way? In the very worst way, man. <laughs> right, so, and at the end of it, there's nothing at the end of it, right? On When it first came out, 
when you get the DVD like three or four years later, there's a disclaimer saying, Keith Lard bears no resemblance to Bolton Fire and Safety Officer Keith Laird. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, of course he does. <laughs> oh, of course he's the same man. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So this fella here, he's, he's off on one, isn't he? He's gone. He's gone. And I don't know what the money's like on the professional bowling tour, but I'm just imagining it's, you know, certainly more than they're worth. <laughs> the problem is, for him, or what makes him look silly, is that the adrenaline, if he's won a big competition, mm. is going to be very similar to the adrenaline if you won a tennis competition or, a, or mm. if you won a trophy with your football team or with your rugby team. Mm. But yeah. there's something more acceptable for some reason to go nuts if you just won I don't know a white collar boxing event, or if yeah. you'd won a, or if you'd won a, you know, a local cup competition with your rugby team, then if yes. you get a strike in ten pin bowling. So when he loses himself like that, and that is his sport. That's the sport he's dedicated oh, himself yeah. to. Yeah. Oh yeah. The emotions are exactly the same. It's just they just contextually look slightly more ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously skilled. He hasn't got the bumper bowl bits on the side. He's obviously skilled. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't pushed it down that weird ramp kids yeah. use. He doesn't do the palms down sort of wrist flick that everyone in Britain does. Yes, the back, back spin. Wee, yeah. wee, what are you doing? Palm down wrist Just flick and up for the best. Turn it round the other way, you twerp. Three bounces later and it's one <laughs> But surely if you're good at this, it yeah. should be ten every time, shouldn't it? Well, this is the thing when you watch it. And that does happen. People have like 300 and the next person has 300. But you should, shouldn't you? That's when I was 299 and lose, you're like, oh, God, what a shit sport. I think once you're good, it must be quite easy to get a strike, surely. Well, I can get probably two out of every ten. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I, I play once a year. Yeah, if, if I don't you know. get a strike, if I'm playing the rare occasions where I go with the kids to bowling, if I don't get at least one strike, yeah. it feels a bit embarrassing. Yeah, it does, Do you know what I mean? It's not even like it's an achievement. I think it's like, yeah. oh, shit, I'm not really a good dad. I think it's quite a shit day out temping bowling person. It is. It's just over it's over Good. fairly quickly and a lot of it's standing around waiting for your turn, which I hate. You've got to wear shiny shoes. I don't want to watch three other people I don't want to watch three other people bowling badly when it's my turn to bowl badly. <laughs> Let me have my ten bad ones and then you have your ten bad ones and let's get the fuck out of here and do something else. Although the spray they use on those shoes that mm. could cure corona. <laughs> but yeah. no one's looked into that, have they? You can share shoes with eight different people in the same day. Oh, my God. And that was perfectly acceptable with a little bit of spray on them. My mate at university, Andy, the so-called mod, uh, <laughs> thought he liked, bowling, he, he liked bowling shoes so much, he walked in once with his worst shoes on, got the bowling shoes, oh, and then just walked straight back out again. Because he was like, I've always wanted a pair of uh, bowling shoes like that. Wore them to the next one. pair of second-hand, used-to-death bowling shoes. Red and black. I've always wanted Verrucas and athletes' foot. Andy, the so-called mod. What a top guy he was. Like most offices, I suppose, in the 90s. Yeah. When they opened Mega Bowl in Cardiff, it was called Super Bowl. Yeah, I was going to say that. Mega Bowl was Newport. It was called Super Bowl on Newport Road. And uh, we used to go there once a week, maybe twice a month, uh, from NPI, from the National Provident Institution, where everyone had these dead-end jobs that they hated. In, in a pensions company full of wankers, right? As like engineered fun twice a month, you'd go out with people you didn't particularly like <laughs> to play a sport you didn't like at yeah. all, right? That no one could play. <laughs> and there's a fella there. I mean, people who take it proper seriously. Like, so I had a line manager called George Blackman who was a bell end. And, and he had his own ball. Oh, yeah. You know those fucking dickheads? Oh, I mean, what is that? And it, it's one of the stuff. few sports. 
It's one of the few sports, right? Goldfish swimming in it. If you turn up, of course you turn up for a game of football. Even if you're playing a game of five or so with your mates and you've got your own boots and shin pads. and Yeah. You know, no one thinks you're a dick. Same with rugby, same with any, any amateur sport, right? You turn up on a fucking bowling alley with your own ball, you yeah. look like you've got fucking issues immediately. <laughs> <laughs> what manner of maniac does that? Yeah. Or they'd have the, like, they'd have the, the, the fucking glove. wrist. Yeah, the wrist. Um, the, no, like with the wrist support. brace built yes. in. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Now, there's a person who would never leave the wanker's arms. Yeah. That's why he's got the wrist support. <laughs> it's not for the I bowling. Am, I am rubbish at pin bowling. Really you? bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember... An ex-girlfriend of mine, tail end of the relationship, was petering out, not going great. <laughs> and she'd started a new job, and it was the same thing, the old uh, morale-boosting trip to Mega Bowl. So I turned up, because she wanted a bit of company, and I think I got pissed because I was sort of, I don't know, but I, did, I don't think I made a very good impression. And then when it was my turn to bowl, because I am rubbish, I was already losing. I thought, right, I'm really going to, I'm going to put a real lot of welly into this. And then I'm going to get a strike <laughs> through, more more through force of personality than any skill. And what yeah. I did was I completely mistimed my throw. <laughs> and I threw it across three lanes. But we, we were the only people. Absolute. We sure. were the only people in Megaball. So the lights were off. <laughs> the uh, the barrier was down above the pin, so my ball just bounced against the barrier and stayed there. People were absolutely stunned. They thought, I think they thought I was deliberately doing it as a joke. It was actually it was a it was a. I think like Dirty Sanchez or something. Yeah, it? it was a complete lack of skill. We've got our team name band. This is the sad it was. So me and Cock and Balls Rob. Yes, we're we're a pair. That was our pair. It was me and him, right? Because we both okay. worked in the same place so we, we to put your team names down we gave ourselves the hilarious name of the purple-headed love slugs right? lovely right. and uh george blackman said we couldn't have the name band the name so i can't we call ourselves some other lame name like mike and rob <laughs> mike and rob's bowling team <laughs> that's our second choice my the app we call ourselves the apathetic bowlers <laughs> bowling team, bowling team. <laughs> great i like that. All right, fine. No effort. Your team name. Yeah. Like when you go to a pub quiz, what's your, what's, your, what's your quiz team called? Terry and Steve. <laughs> oh, fuck off, mate, will you? <laughs> I was saying today, right, I got, I got an offer to do some gigs, actual proper stand-up gigs again, right? Yeah. But the first person who calls their name something fantastic or something like that. My Corona. Yeah. If you call your Edinburgh show this year Pandemic, mm. I mean, a shitty review of Peter Gagan <laughs> will be the least of your worries because I... I I will. Do you know what I was thinking? Oh, go on. So the the the, the, the uh, stand-up offers are for some really like glee club gigs. They're lovely gigs. Oh, They're nice. brilliant, brilliant comedy clubs, right? Yeah. But the first person who even mentions when you're doing the gig, don't even mention the fact no. that you're not going to do any fucking like, coronavirus stuff. Just don't do it. Just don't mention the word. Yeah. Don't mention the word pandemic. Yeah. Don't mention lockdown. Just do a comedy set and don't don't even reference it because it'll just be the f- the funny thing is though. Izzy got offered an, a Zoom gig, which she had to do 20 minutes. And she wanted to do it, but she said, you know, I'm really rusty. I said, Izzy, the entire comedy industry is rusty. No one's, no oh, one has done a gig since no. yeah. early March 2020. Well, these gigs are in May. And I said, I'm, I'm, I agree to them. So I, like I said, they're lovely clubs, right? But I'm already shitting myself. If you want to see what really bad comedy looks like, or if you're ever thinking about trying comedy yourself, 
get along to the first yeah. wave of gigs after this because people you would have haven't you would have forgotten your set plus is that what happens yeah I'm going to usually write like bullet points on my back of my hand. You'd be writing paragraphs. I'll need to write the whole thing down. <laughs> like, right, yeah. It just says, it's just one word. It just says snooker. I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyone like, anyone like snooker? Courting Kelly. <laughs> what, what would that mean? Oh, it sounds like... Just says K. 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 Kelly. 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 I would have done something quite funny with Kelly yeah. or about Kelly. But this time two years ago, that was yeah. really good stuff. <laughs> I mean, it was slick. It was absolutely. I was hitting all my marks with that one. That was. I remember that being a. I remember K being a bloody good bit of material. <laughs> there are there are acts who never take any time off, and who were always much fit, and they will have taken over a year off. It's going to be mm. hilarious oh, for all will, the wrong will reasons. It will. It will be. It will be. Have you ever dried up on stage? Yeah, yeah. I remember after Edinburgh one year. Yeah, Izzy and I we went on a two week holiday. We went to Spain and we went to Devon. It was really nice. My first gig back was up the creek on a Friday, and I hadn't done a gig for like eighteen days or something. And I was comparing, and up the creek be rowdy on a Friday night. Mm. I just remember going, "Hello, uh, my name's uh, my name's Ellis James. I uh, you, you sir, the old um, uh, on on this table. What do you do for a living?" He said, "I'm a builder." I said, "Do you?" Uh, Build houses. Did you keep your receipts if you're self-employed? And he said yes. <laughs> and I said, "Really good comedians for you this evening." <laughs> I said, absolutely oh, nothing. I know where to go. Oh. I did a gig once at an Edinburgh gig about three years ago. My agent at the time didn't do an awful lot right. This one gig, he did bring a, a fairly big person in, in the comedy world to come and see my gig, which I was amazed that he turned up. I didn't know before the gig. And after I finished, I thought, I went remarkably well. But I seem to have finished <laughs> a good 18 minutes earlier <laughs> than I usually finish. And I missed out, like, my best section, this middle section, I missed the whole thing out. Oh, like, wow. I remember being in the foyer thinking, fucking hell, it's early. Yeah. And my agent came out. And he, I said, all right. <laughs> it was like that, honestly. <laughs> I said, what happened there? I said, Did I, I have underrun. He went, mate, you missed this, 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 this. I went, oh, shit. Oh, Bollocks. Think he noticed? I said, "Well, yeah, we've, yeah, yeah." I mean, your 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 hour lasted forty minutes. <laughs> it was noted. Oh yeah, good point. So this dick, I don't know who he is with the bowler anyway. Uh, we we try to find his name, we couldn't find it. By the way, if you, I haven't picked Kingpin as a film, but that is one of my all-time favourite sport sports related films. Good Michael Owens movie club, that'd be. Oof. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Right, Kingpin. that's on the list. After yeah. Chariots of Fire, I can one of the few one of the few bits of music I can play on a piano. Is it? Because my auntie Doreen in Merthyr Vale, my nan's sister, had an old upright piano in the house, like they all yeah. did in the, the valleys in those days. And I taught myself to play that. One, four, five, six, five. <laughs> they're not, three, they're not one, numbers. four, five, six, three. They've got letters. One, four, five, six, five, three, three, four, three, one, one. <laughs> eight, seven, six, five, six, five. Uh, anyway. You're Van Gaal turning in his grave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's not dead, is he? Just one I think I just killed Van Gaal. Is he dead? I doubt it. I don't know, mate. That was 40 years ago. 1981, probably... that film came out. Yeah. Well, sorry, mate. Oh, sorry. I'm miles out. <laughs> Imagine the egg on my face. <laughs> humiliated. Oh, hell. You made me look a right prick now. Ah, he's 77. He's still hanging on in there. Sorry, Vangelis. 
God, he was young then, wasn't he? We did the old uh, Chariots of Fire, 37 at the time, because it was 40 years ago. <laughs> as we've established. <laughs> as, we've, as, as has been confirmed by my colleague, the numbers bod. <laughs> oh, bloody deep blue over there. <laughs> stat man. Right, go on. Alice, what are you bringing to the bar this week? This is a very nostalgic clip for any rugby fan over a certain age. This is Lethley mm. beating Australia 13-9 in November 1992. Have a push over, scrum. The ball quickly released, or oh, the running off the ball. Yeah, Evans, brilliantly done. Yeah, Evans does to the Australians what they've done to the world for the last 15 months. Brilliantly done, breathtaking rugby. Yeah, Evans, the games of things right. Quick ball, surely could be profitably used here. Moon Stevens, the drop kick and goal, repeated yet again. Stevens left about six feet there. Oh dear me, what scenes here! The crowd delirious. What a season for Flethy. Uh mm. The treble, as described on the video, Scarlet Fever, uh, oh, where they won, where they won the. Swela Cup, the Heineken League. They won the Heineken League that year and obviously beat Australia, who were the world champions. Now, this was a very, very common part of mm. of Welsh club rugby at the time. You'd play the mm-hmm. big touring teams. Um, Scarlet's obviously had, had a historically a good record against touring teams. They'd beaten Australia in 84. They'd beaten New Zealand, obviously, in 72. And I was at this game and there is... Something I think about playing uh, in in football, it would be like a European night, big European night, or in rugby, it's just not playing domestic opposition for a club te- for a club side that is just exciting. So as you walk into the ground, your pace quickens because it's different and it's novel. And Australia, I mean, that was a really fantastic Australian side. You know they'd won the world champ. They'd won the World Cup in nineteen ninety one, beating England in the final. Um, and there was something about Stradi. I think mm. when we when Flatley played, I would refer to Flatley as we actually because I'm you know nominal, but like Mike with Liverpool, I'm a sort of nominal Flatley fan. Yeah. There was something about that side, that particular Flatley team, where you just thought that we could beat anyone. And also there was something about foreign opposition at Stradi. Where you kind of you fancy the Scarlet. There was something about Stradley Park itself, and I watched a couple of uh, I watched a couple of things. I read a few interviews about the game uh, with people, you know, plenty players who played in it in that match. People like Rupert Moon, and they said the, the top international teams they didn't want to play in a small, tight little ground like Stradley. They wanted to play in the national stadium. They were more comfortable at the national mm. stadium or at Twickenham or at Murrayfield than they were say it's St Helens or the Knoll. Swansea had already beaten that Australia team quite convincingly, actually, at St Helens a few weeks before. So Atletley and Swansea, the big rivals. So the Scarlet's players, they were like, we've, we've, got to, we've got to beat Australia today. And I read an interview with, a, with some of them in, the, in um, the Western Mail, what is now Wales Online. And they said, we really felt like we could do it. We felt invincible, that team. And, and Ray Gravel, who'd been part of the team that had beaten New Zealand, spoke to us before the game about what it means, you know, playing a big touring team at Stradi. And I was right behind the posts when Ian Evans scored. He was basically running mm. towards me, and then he did that silly celebration with Rupert Moon, <sighs> where they you know, great try, bump chests. Man. It's a great try. 
The story was absolutely rammed. So mum worked in Lletley at the time. She was working in the career's office. And dad hadn't been able to get tickets. But mum's friend Pat uh, lived, I think, on the same street as the chairman of Lletley Rugby Club. Pat had said, oh, I'll ask him. I can get you a ticket. So we got tickets, like, on the Friday night. The game was on the Saturday. And it just felt important. And there's that thing, when you've got a ticket for a really big fixture, as you're walking mm. to the ground, whatever it is, oh, yeah. and you think, there are thousands of people who'd swap places with me now. Mate, I'm really jealous of you that you were there for that because I can remember that game. I was watching that clip. The grass is too long, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the advertising hoardings are not for things like Deodora. They're things like Clenetly Radiators. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and then there's a massive electricity pylon right behind one of the posts. You can see the yeah. pylons there, you know. And people are just... No one's wearing corporate... Supporters' kit. They just wear, they're just wearing their clothes. They might have a scarf or yeah, a hat or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's packed, like you said. Most of it's standing. The fuck. The rugby is brilliant. Like, yeah. I mean, that try that that Yane scores under the sticks. Yeah, and he talks about it afterwards, and he said, well, "I think it was called Ella. It was named yeah, the Ella move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an, it was an Aussie move, you know. And you watch that in real in real time. It's a good move, isn't it? It's a great move. I I I know what I'm watching. I'm thinking, Christ, I, I don't see that coming. That the wing in, yeah. There, and that, that, the, the, it's a perfect dummy run line there, right? Who's the outside half? Uh, uh, Colin Stevens. Colin Stevens, yeah. What a drop kick on him! I mean, yeah, yeah. Drop kicks were brilliant, but I mean, just an entertaining game, and it wasn't a particularly high scoring affair. This is what I'm saying. You, you don't need 25 tries and some Burke screaming down the PA every time someone scores, right? <laughs> you don't need. You don't need a fake enjoyment at, at, a, at a ground. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to play on that. The old Australian yeah, Park yeah. a couple of times. Oh wow! And what a lovely ground! What a proper, just imbued with bloody rugby history as well. And yeah, um, yeah. I can't. I never saw a, uh, a club game against international opposition, um, and that's one that I would love to have seen. For people who go to sporting events, a few weeks before Dad had taken, or a few weeks after, certainly that season around that time, Dad had taken me to watch Slatty uh, play Swansea in the Heineken League probably the two best teams in Wales at the time. And that felt like a big game, felt like a big domestic fixture. But there is something, and if you go to a lot of rugby matches or go to a lot of football matches or go to a lot of sport, you can just taste it practically. You can feel it as you're walking yeah. to the ground that this is different. This is going to be something that's going to be second item on the news. Yeah. It just feels important. And that's, that's how I felt. As we were all walking to the ground, I thought, yeah, this feels big. And a mate of mine, he could get tickets. And his father just, they drove from Carmarthen up and they just watched through the gates. Because there was that's just cool. something about that Australia team and that Lethley team as well, in fairness. Because I was just looking at the lineup. It was Hugh Williams at fullback, Ian Evans, Nigel Davis, Simon Davis, Wayne Proctor, Colin Stevens, Rupert Moon, Scrum Half and Captain, yeah. Ricky Evans. Lush. Andrew Lamerton, yes. Lawrence Delaney, who'd played for the club since 1977. Absolutely brilliant. He was 36. Phil Davis, Tony Copsey, Mark Perrigo, Lynn Jones, and Emmett Lewis. Made 10 of them. 10, I think 10, 10 or 11 of caps, yeah. yeah. Well, that Australia team was Marty Roebuck, Damien Smith, yeah. Tim Kelleher, Jason Little, Darren Juney, Tim Horan, Nick Farr Jones played. Jesus Christ. Dan Crowley, Phil Kearns, Ewan McKenzie, Rob McCall, John Eales. 
Willie Offerhangawi, David Wilson, and Tim Galvin. Yeah, that's a good side. Yeah. In those days, you trusted the club sides more than the national team. Oh, absolutely. Because the national team would get absolutely stuffed yeah. by New yeah. Zealand and Australia. But the good, yeah. our best club teams, you'd think, yeah, I quite fancy this today, actually. I tell you what, I was I was so pleased about uh, this week, last week that's gone, is that Cardiff Blues have dropped the Blues. They're going back to being Cardiff Rugby. They did a little promo video for it. And what I liked about it, fair play to the people involved, there's a line in this sort of little promo they do which says, like some of the best passes, sometimes you need to go backwards to to move forwards. I thought that's, quite that's, a, nice that's line. a really yeah. good play. little rugby analogy is, there. Yeah. Right? So you've gone back to calling yourselves Cardiff. You've gone back to wearing blue and black jerseys, the stripe, you know, the hoops. Mm-hmm. So tip of the hat to Cardiff. And I, and I wonder whether I'd love to go back to sort of, even if we just get... Four clubs. Also, if you watch the video, you can sense it even on, you know, a little YouTube clip on your phone. Mm. It was electric that mm. day. That's oh, what was really I didn't want to electric. watch it. So when you sent this over earlier, I was like, oh, I don't want to see that because what if those games weren't what I remember them being? I mean, whatever age you are, you, you, you might be from the north of England and you remember them beating New Zealand in the 70s. You might be from Munster and remember them beating New Zealand. There's always something... That you remember a club side or a you know a combined yeah. side winning against a touring team, and I just thought, oh, what if this is crap? And what if it's yeah. not? And it's bloody electric. I remember going to the Swansea game with my dad because my dad's from Cumtoch, so we go to watch Swansea play as much as we go and watch Newport play. And yeah. you could always gauge, like you're saying, you know, we could always gauge how big a game it was by how close to Joe's ice cream and the Bramwin Hall you had to park away from <laughs> St Helens yeah. itself. So how far, how much further down yeah. we'd be. There's a really brilliant picture of Rupert Moon being carried off the pitch yes. by Lentley fans, which I think is up um, at the new Scarlet Stadium somewhere. But it's a really, really great shot, and he just looks, you know, delighted. Yeah. And there's, I think there was 13 or 14,000 at Stradley there that day. You know, this, and they're all on the pitch. And I got on the pitch. Uh, we all got on the pitch too early. And here Williams, the fullback, said, what the fuck are you doing? There's five minutes left. <laughs> yeah. He said, said that to me. I was about 12. What the fuck are you doing? Get off the pitch. There's five minutes left. My shoe had come off in the mud. Very embarrassing. Got it. Anyway, but got on the pitch when, when, the fi- when the final whistle blew. And... I think especially if you are, you know, non-Scarlets fans will probably laugh at this. But I think this is true of the big English football clubs. If you are a, a team with an impressive heritage, there are times when you're... I mean, it's quite a strange thing, because really, it's never really existed in club football, so it's quite difficult to make these analogies, apart from possibly European Cup or Champions League stuff, where you are effectively playing a level above the level you should be playing at. Mm. Yeah. But ultimately, it's 15 versus... You know, and, and as Mike mm. pointed out a second ago, when I read out the Fletcher's first 15 on that day, you know, nine or ten Welsh internationals. But still, it's a it's a club team. It's a domestic side playing a, an international... Well, playing the world champions. Ultimately, in a one-off over 80 minutes, when it's 15 against 15, with the crowd mm. behind you, the wind in your sails, you can... You you could beat an international team because hmm. it happens. You know, Munster have done it. Uh, Newport have beat North three. 
you know, Newport beat New Zealand, they beat South Africa, beat Australia. It it happens. Yeah. But to be there when it's happening, yes, is just a, it's just fantastic. You know, driving home, the thing I remember was feeling that I'd seen something that we'd be discussing. What were you in, then? Eleven or twelve? November ninety two. I just so I just turned twelve. Yeah. yeah. Knowing that I'd watch something that we would be discussing in 20, 30 years' time. And, you know, I was right. And it's, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Along with my dad's cock in the Third Reich. <laughs> Do you know, they, the players at the end, they stayed in the changing rooms afterwards just to try and take it all in. You know, because because yeah. and 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 Rupert Moon said he he didn't well, yeah. drink too much on the on the evening because he wanted to remember it all. But you think that they'd have gone out and got absolutely shit faced, and I'm sure that some of them did. But Rupert said I I just wanted to take it all in, and I didn't want to wake up the next morning having no recollection of it at all. So I actually took it quite easy. My mate Jason, uh, his I thought he was really an uncle or a cousin, but you know that sort of was Gareth Jenkins, and he said. He was there when they beat the All Blacks on that famous night when mm. you know they drank Clenetley Dry. But he said that that wasn't even an exaggeration. I mean, it was <laughs> the whole place was on the piss in every single pub at yeah. all night. Also, for that game what in '72, there's Stradley had about ten thousand extra people in it. Because my favourite pub was in Clenetley. I think I mentioned before, it was, it was, and it was just a terraced house. <laughs> With a, with a little sign outside, you walk in, and the, what would be the front room was the front bar, and then there was like the hallway, which would yeah. be the hallway up to the stairs, up to the bedroom. Yeah, and then the back, what would be the back room was the sort of lounge bar. Oh, it's brilliant! In, in a terrace row, in a, I don't, and I don't think it's there anymore. I don't think it's a pub anymore. But I went there before my friend's wedding, and I ended up on the piss with the, with a choir, and it was just one of the best afternoons of my life. Story ever. <laughs> yeah, it was. I went. We see a lot of that in, in the valleys. The end house of the terrace row will be a different shape because it would have been a pub. God, I, miss I pubs. went to watch the Swans play United at Old Trafford through a strange set of circumstances. I was there with Steve Diggle of the Buzzcocks, which was very exciting for me. And we went to what was George Best's yeah. um, favourite pub. And it's the smallest pub in Manchester. And it's you can fit about nine people in there. There's only about two taps, but it's absolutely brilliant. Sure, I hope people, um, and we've said this before, right? I hope people appreciate, when when because you, you've had so long of not having stuff that we took for granted, I really hope people go out, someone said about that, that first stand-up gig, they said, but it'd be like the last days of Rome. I said, I fucking hope so. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I hope people go to sports events and go to the pub and go and get all of the, or, you oh. know, do stuff. When we get to do live stuff, Properly in venues, oh, yes, yeah, man. we're having it. I think the afternoon kickoff of the live ideas is the best thing we've had. Three o'clock kickoff, good. Oh. we'll have a half time, like a proper yeah. half time. We go to the bar, and have another drink. We'll be finished by five. Someone suggested final score. Uh, I can't tell you who he knows who he is. Then I'll meet you all in the bar. I'll probably have a quick. Well, should I have a shower? <laughs> but, I was never. Ke- I was always keen on just going. Like when we used to play cricket, I was always so desperate. I was keen piss, on I, just getting out. Yeah, I know. I just stick a tracksuit bottoms on, crack on. I, I mean, quite often oh, I would break my can rule and I drink a can in the shower. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't wait to go on the piss. I might be wearing cricket whites, but we're out till four a.m. See a stand-up gig. I would. I would shower first because I'd be absolutely drenched in sweat. But this. Okay. This will be fine. Live. I'll put a bit of snake brand on and then we're out. <laughs> Two squirts of jupe and we're on the piss. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait, honestly. I'll be back at the hotel on my phone. 
You crack on. You enjoy yourself, yeah, yeah. boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steph's, drive, Steph's yeah. driving back. Did you have a good night? Oh, nice one. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I was just looking for clips for yeah, next week's on, podcast, yeah. Where's Bubs gone? I don't know. I saw him was top off about half an hour ago. <laughs> he was uh, having a great time. Saying something like, um, I <laughs> make way for the perfect storm or something. He just, something like that. He kept saying, who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about going to Anfield. This is certain, mm. this was certainly true years ago. My friend Sam was on the waiting list for a season ticket at Anfield, and he was on the waiting list for about ten years, and then he got one. But he was telling me that for a long time, European games, it was much easier to get tickets for European games than a league game because a league game tended to all be season tickets. Yeah. So he would quite often go up on a you know a Wednesday night to watch them in the say Champions League group stages, and he said it was That's a good. right laugh. So that we should do that. That would be good fun. Well, that Mike Keeney from the clip got in yeah, touch. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. So, hi, Mike. Uh, hi, Mike. Hi, Steve. We still love you. Yeah, I mean, as long as Liverpool don't f- fuck it up and finish eighth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there is that. Yeah, we might not be Europe. <laughs> Carling Cup. What's Carabao? <laughs> we'll come up for a Carabao Cup game. I don't care. It'd be a great game. I just miss everything about <laughs> Oxford <Pepper>. at home. <laughs> I miss beer mats and tables and sticky floors yeah. and the bell and glasses and the smell. I miss everything about it. Oh, God, I'm going to kick the ass right out of it when I can. <laughs> Stick that on the quote on the poster. That five stones going straight yeah. back on. <laughs> Do you know what I miss? Live tour poster. I miss eating what? shit food what? at midnight. No, 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 let me... Uh, no, I, I need to eat something. Let me forget fucking chips or something. I'm serious. That's stop that's here, drive. Stop here, drive. Drive. Stop here. Well, the chip shop by me, around the corner, and Steph knows the one right on the corner. I know it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're lovely lads in there, so I was going and talk to them. But um, don't buy chips. Just go in there for a chat. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you please buy something at least? <laughs> but I mean, their business is being caned because even though you can go there for food, mm. I mean, they make the lion's share of their money with people walking back yeah, to the pub at yeah. 10, 11 yes. o'clock at night. You can't. I, I I defy anyone to have six pints plus and walk yeah. past a chip shop with yeah. the door open. That smells. Absolutely. I still oh live next door to a chip shop. Superb. Got no time for the old eating's cheating rule. I love. I love eating. I'll eat That's before. Yeah. At the end I'll eat of the before yeah. and after. Before, during, and after. No issue with it. I'll have eight bags of crisps while we're out. Not before, crisps. not during, but I, I will. I will. Crisps. Ruin myself after crisps. Right, we'll meet up for a meal. I'll eat crisps all night, and I'll have chips on the way home. No issue. Bag, with it. bag of pork scratchings. Yes, I'm in. I'll have them as well. So what I got here? I got, I got a bag of salted peanuts behind the bar. I'm not going to grab it in a minute. Oh, all the interesting people outside having a fag. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder what they're talking about. I should just go and join them. Yeah. Let's go and join them. Shit, I think they're having a better time than us. Even though it's raining. Do you remember thinking that, that, that no one was going to actually adhere to the smoking ban? I thought as if, as if people were going to just say, all right, mate, I'll, I'll smoke outside. That's never going to happen. The smoking ban came in in Wales a year before mm. it did in England. So it came yeah. in, you know, whenever it was, 2005. The first Saturday after the ban had come in in Wales, the Swans were away at Leighton Orient at Brisbane Road. And I went to the game and I walked into the first pub outside Lake Nor- uh, outside the ground where I knew there'd be a lot of Swans fans. All of the Swansea fans were smoking indoors. And it was my first piss-up since the band had come in. I remember thinking, shit, 
this is mass civil di- disobedience. This is civil disobedience on a on a mass scale. This is bloody. Powered this is revolt. <laughs> oh my god! Until I realised, perfectly <laughs> fine. <laughs> You'd have to be nuts to take up smoking. Be hard work, wouldn't it? I mean, if you oh, yeah, what a massive if you're addicted to smoking, if you're addicted to smoking already, then that's that's different. But now, if you were like eighteen, you're like, do you know what? I I think I'm gonna be. I'm gonna start smoking fast. That guy over there in the pissing rain looks yeah. cool. So inconvenient. Fancy doing something that's expensive yeah. and smelly. And me, fellow <laughs> the, the fellow in the Berghouse gear over there who was pissing down on him. He can't light yeah. something. <laughs> Old North Face over there. The North Face crew. It really dates the photos from when I was at universities, people smoking in, in pubs. Oh, well, I watch like the Sweeney now, and I just think that looks so... Or Only Fools and Horses, even, which is nice. Yeah. I just think, God, it looks so weird. I mean, people being able to smoke in the tube. God, the tube. Oh, my God. Yeah. And on planes. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Buses. Oh, yeah. Ash- yeah, ashtrays on school buses. In hospital. You could smoke in hospital. <laughs> you could. You could. Right. My clip for this round is something... Crosses over from the old and the new. There aren't many things anymore, I don't think, that cross over between old rugby and new rugby, or old sport and new sport, or like you say, an old life and new life. Um, this is a Welsh international called Lou Reed. <laughs> after Great his, yeah, good start to it anyway. This was after his first cap. So this is February of 2012. He came on as a sub against Scotland. Part of the tradition of winning your first cap, is that at the after-game dinner, you have to get up and sing a song. And this is the most effort I think I've ever seen put into one. I can see in your eyes I can see in your smile You're all I've ever wanted My arms are open wide Cos you know just what they say and you know just what to do And I want to tell you so much I love you So Lou Reed giving it the full Lionel Richie Lovely vibrato on him I, You know, it's like Krista Berg's up there It's absolutely Lovely beautiful vibrato. But it's, I think it's I saw George North uh, singing in the changing rooms After his 100th gap on the weekend Poor effort And he panicked, bless him I think it admitted, self-admittedly just went for something that hopefully everyone will join in by the time I get to the chorus. I went for Don't Look Back in Anger. What's the Johnny Lee Miller film? Oh, uh, uh, Avenues uh, and Alleyways. Yeah, so what's the film? Oh, it's got uh, Ray Winston yeah. and Jude Law. And Ray Winston says, what's your song, son? What's your song, son? Everyone's got to have a song. And he gets up and does Avenue and Alleyways. He goes, nice choice. You know, I, th- I think everyone's got to have a song, haven't they? Do you know what I mean? Everyone yes, needs yeah. a song. So the best thing about on a Sunday in here when, when the lockdown is not on and we watch the NFL with the boys, I fucking love it, right? And we've all got a song. And and not like Oasis that everyone joins in on. Bring your own song to it. What, self-penned? <laughs> You've got to do your own song. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if, you haven't, if you haven't written it. I mean, if you haven't written the music, oh you've my, just written the oh lyrics, it gives you a pass. That's fine. But you I just know, think everyone should have a song. He's not expecting Bernie Taupin <laughs> and Elton to turn up. So when he do, so when Lou Reed does this, I think fair play to you, mate. I agree. This is this is your song. I hate the sound of my singer voice. I cannot handle Doesn't the sound matter. of my voice. And I 
cannot think of anything worse than to sing in front of people. And I thought, you poor sod, having to do that. And then I thought, oh, then I thought, I know. They loved it. He's just won his first cup. He doesn't give a shit, does he? It's all part of the day. No. He's loving it. But no one should give a shit, mate. Kelly would not sing, right? I used to have parties here when I got that. When I was still singing, um, not for a living, but I was doing it part time. So I had all the proper kit and desks mm. and microphones and speakers. And we'd have house parties before I built the bar. And we'd go in the garden, set everything up. You know, get everyone up to do a song. And Kelly wouldn't sing. She just, oh, I've got a terrible yeah. voice. I hate my voice. Terrible voice. I said, fuck it. Don't worry about it. Just pick. And she eventually did. Um, um, Ness and Dormer. What's the, the turnaround? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, what's the song? Not, it's not called Turnaround Bright. What's it called? What's that song oh. called? Um, Rapper's Delight. Bright. Shut up, you bellend. Right. The yeah, Bonnie uh, Tyler one. Clips of the Heart. That's the one. Forever's gonna start to Once upon a time I was falling in love. And now I'm only falling apart. <laughs> See, that could, I may have heard worse than that. Wow. I've heard worse than that at the Elvis Festival. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, so that's, her song was, was uh, Tony Clips the Heart. And I've got to be honest, and she'll be listening to this because she loves mm-hmm. the podcast, it was, it was at best below average, right? <laughs> but the point was she loved it. Yeah. Everyone loved the fact that she loved it. And then we couldn't get off the bloody microphone for about the next 15 minutes. <laughs> so just sing a song, just enjoy it. Oh, can I do another one? Whatever your so song is. <laughs> Slip inside the eye of your mind. What do you find with those classic? There's a song. You can't go wrong with Tony Christie. So the lockdown, our lockdown song, right? On a Thursday, that we used to blast. I take my little, uh, my little Marshall Bluetooth little amp out there, right, and speaker. I'm get a bit of backing music on, and it's another Tony Christie song. Have you heard the one? Um, Daddy, don't you walk so fast. Daddy, don't you walk so fast. Daddy, slow down some, cause you're making me run. Daddy, don't you walk so fast. Which, and that was like my song for the lockdown. How could I explain to my sweet daughter that her daddy had to go and catch a train? She had no way of knowing I was leaving town for good. Turned around and heard those words again, crying, Daddy, don't you walk so fast. Daddy, don't you walk so fast. Daddy, slow down some, cause you're making me run. Daddy, don't you walk so fast. Oh, what a tune. So but the point is, by yeah. the third week of lockdown, all the boys and Vic knew that song. Oh. I've got one. So we would blast that out. I'm out of love. You know, I set like me mitten. free. Let me out this misery. Show me the way to get my life again. Because <laughs> you can't handle me. Go on now. I'm out of love. <laughs> Ellis, you're through to judges' houses. <laughs> yeah, that's your song, man. <laughs> The best thing, do you know what? That was wasted not being a live stream. Because you went sort of, you went like American 
Evangelical <laughs> preacher while you sing it as well. I'm not shitting you. I'd rickets before you started singing that. And now that they've my, gone. My voice can heal. That's how, she, that's how we should end the tour shows. I just go through my Anastasia repertoire. You're like fucking Billy Graham on acid. That was amazing. What's uh, the clip? Lou Reed singing. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I thought, are we still talking about the Scarlet? <laughs> we got onto this that, what what was your go-to song before you were a singer there Mike when I was playing rugby as a, as a youngster when I first started got to Cardiff and playing for Cardiff Youth you know I was 18 years of age because I loved Elvis I didn't want to do the sort of Elvis stuff that everyone always does so when a lot of times we'd be going back and forth to games on a coach and there's a song from G.I. Blues called uh, Did You Ever where you get, I'd get one half of the coach singing, then the other half of the coach singing. So we know, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever get, do you ever get, do you ever get one, do you ever get one, ever get one of those, ever get one of those days, you ever get one of those days, boys, you ever get one of those days, when nothing goes right from morning to night, you ever get one of those days, boys, you ever get one of those days, 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 days. Oh, fucking great. So that was, I mean, Jeva was was the one we used to sing every Saturday. That was like the team song. Um, yeah, it all stuck. My, I suppose no one I could sing, even though you might not guess it from this podcast, right? Was that tackle that I used to do, the slambo, which I talked about in a previous podcast, which was like my Tom Jones tackle, a lot of hips involved. I just started singing Tom Jones songs on, on, on the night out. We got uh, having a drink of 17 in Barry, drinking Bindles, have a pint, walked on the parade to the ship, and I'd be singing It's Not Unusual and Green Green Grass and those sorts of things. And, but not Delilah. Yes. I love his. What's, what's the one? Just I'll oh, help yourself. That's the one. Oh, it's a wicked track. Love is like candy on a shelf. You want to taste and help yourself. The sweetest things are there for you. Help yourself. Take a few. That's what I want you to do. Oh, but he's done a bit, hasn't he? Oh, Tom Jones. Imagine man. if on the on the on when we tour, in, <laughs> instead of talking about sport. I just sing Sex Bomb by Tom Jones, really oh, getting into it. Great. Full band. Yeah. <laughs> tiger, Tiger at 3am. Oh, yeah. Tiger, Tiger. <laughs> oh, my God. I've been there for a while. You Is still lo- there? I don't know. Tiger. It's a reference from my youth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we won't get you off the stage, tiger. mate. We will not get you off. I tell the time we were in uh, British Columbia at a, at a club singing. Mention that. Go on. My mate Rabbit. I don't know. My mate Simon. Is there a stripper involved? No, there wasn't on this time. But um. Okay, no, okay, no, a different story. It was a, it was a karaoke night, and uh, my mate Rabbit sang a song. I can't remember what he sang now. And he got us a free drink off the off the owner, and he was quite chuffed with himself. So I thought I'm not having that. So I did an Elvis song, and the owner and said, right, you got free drinks all night if you if you as long as you keep singing. So I said, oh, magic. So. I'd go up every sort of every other song and do another song, and we just drank all night for free. Loved it. Oh man, there's nothing better. It's, and until you get to a point where you've had a load of free drinks, and then the the, the singing does go downhill rapidly. And it's fine for like really five fast. for like five or six points. It's fine, and then it and then yeah. you hit a point where it gets a lot worse very quickly. I do know the I know the words. I know the words. Let's start again. The original key. The original key. That's too, that's too high. That's too I high. think you're the most extrovert human being I've ever met. <laughs> Why? 
by a by I would say a distance. Uh, yeah, I've never met anyone like you. Thank you. I mean, that could be an insult. I don't know, but um, it sounds. Fun. I was going to say you got me. You got me. That's a compliment to me. Do what you'd have been very good on. What? In the early days, or, or series one, and then possibly series two, you'd have been very good on Big Brother, I reckon. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. When they still had psychologists on it, and they were still trying to take yeah. it seriously and claim it was some sort of Nasty. social experiment. Nasty Nick would find out what Nasty really was. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm feeding him to the fucking chickens. They were the days when Big Brother had chickens. I mean, you knew where you were oh, then, yeah. didn't you? Go and feed the chickens was your task. It wasn't like you know. It wasn't. It wasn't like do a. It wasn't like do a jelly shot of a pair of fake tits. It was like go and feed a chicken. <laughs> and uh, and Handy uh, and Craig. Craig, the, uh, yeah, the handyman. Uh, the handyman. Yeah. Who gave the winnings to some kid who needed an operation or something? I can't yes, remember. that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then of course by series five bubble. Yeah. Bubble. Yeah. Well, that's science. <laughs> Kelly's mother used to watch him like asleep. You know that sort of nighttime camera they have. <laughs> Like a yeah, you're like 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 a Silence of the Lambs. No. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why don't you combine your hobby with a, with a with a job and become a night watchman? Just watch CCTV all night, you lunatic. Three thirty a.m. Everyone's still asleep. Who's watching it? Oh. I tell you, Kelly's mum. Night vision camera. Twenty that people asleep. Yeah. Four Every hours. And then they'd stir a bit. You think, oh, Ooh, scratching his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Have another cup of Horlicks and watch that. Didn't want to admit it. I used to watch it as well. There we go. Rehearsing Anastasia. Everyone else was in bed. Just <laughs> muttering the lyrics to myself. Yeah. Uh, smashing the chorus. No problem. I'm out of love. Set me free. Okay, let's do documentary for this week. Alice, it is your choice. It is my choice, and what a blast from the past. Uh, This is a documentary focusing on the person who probably, when I was growing up, would be a good shout for Britain's most famous man, and also one of the most famous men on the planet. So this is Frank Bruno and Mike Tyson being reunited for a documentary that came out very recently. Uh, It's on Sky Documentaries, and it's Bruno versus Tyson. I would have reigned supreme if it were for Iron Mike Tyson. Can Frank Bruno become our first heavyweight champion this century? I can't picture him being a fighter. He's so powerful, such a sweet guy. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Tyson is frightening. He's an animal. He just loves to hurt people. I feel I was born to fight. Bruno and Tyson weren't just significant boxers. They, they were cultural icons. How you doing, Frank? It's a story of hard work versus raw talent. My dream is to win the heavyweight championship with the world. I've got my chance. I'm not letting it pass me, you know? Frank cared about what people thought about him. That could have been a weakness. I love my people. I'm not an Uncle Tom. I'm not a sellout. Tyson had nobody to keep him under control. I come across as ferocious because of my fear. If there was one guy to beat Mike Tyson, it was Frank Bruno. The doctor said it was way too dangerous, but Frank just refused to give up on it. You're going to miss me. I'm going to miss you as well. Two boxers 
whose lives were inextricably linked, but so different uh, in terms of personalities and how they were seen, uh, the marketing around them, the kind of people that they were, you know, how they were discussed in the press. I think by 1990, the one person who could com- could compete with Bruno in Britain for fame was Paul Gascoigne uh, after England's exploits at the Italian mm, yeah. 90 World Cup. But certainly up to that point, there was no one really to touch him. You were famous in a different way back then. No one really is famous like yeah. you could be famous in the 1980s, you know, in the when there That's were only so four channels. If you weren't around to see it and if you weren't around to experience it, it's difficult to imagine just how loved he was by the British public. The British public adored Frank oh, yeah. Bruno. They adored him. You know, he was... I mean, the documentary goes on to make some quite interesting points about race because he was accepted by white Britain in a way that was held against him by by some people and also by that was held against him by certain boxers. So... Lennox Lewis referred to him as a coconut and an Uncle Tom. Oliver McCall did the same thing. This this happened a few times. It was the first thing I think said after he'd won the world title was I'm, you know, I, I love my people and I'm not an Uncle Tom. I'm not an Uncle Tom. And it clearly hurt him, as you can imagine. I think people have probably misremembered how good a boxer Frank Bruno was. And because of all of the other stuff he did, like he was in pantomime and he did comic relief and he did a load of kids telly and he did things like, you know, yeah. Noel's house party and all that kind of stuff. He only really lost to elite boxers. He Absolutely. lost to Tyson yeah. twice and he lost to Lennox Lewis, two of the all-time greats. And he lost to Witherspoon and um, Bonecrusher Smith as well. Very yeah. early on in his career and, and Frank admitted he was quite a late developer. So I think he won 40 of his 45 fights, lost to Tyson twice, lost to Lewis. That's fine. That's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Watch him training in that. And physique, I was reminded of Evander Holyfield because he boxed for a long time, Bruno. Well, fairly long time. He ended up, even though he was always very strong, very muscular, but he got quite a, his ab strength became so massive that he, he, he looked almost like lumbering towards the end, end of his career. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Where you watch him yeah. as a younger man, like in the early 80s, mid 80s, and he had that sort of um, Evander Holyfield build. There's that bit when he's skipping. I thought, Christ, I mean, what a shape on a bloke. He was, he was in phenomenal shape, frankly. Do you know what? I, I do want to depress you. He, I read a really interesting interview with him this morning in The Guardian. He still wakes up at five and trains for hours. And he's 60 this year. Really? And he still does loads of weights and bag work and skipping. If you Google Frank Bruno now, there are plenty of pictures of him training with his top off. <laughs> it, is, it is nuts to think that the guy is almost 60. I remember reading about his road work, and he would do 10-mile hill runs in an hour. So he's six-minute yeah. mile in. At like, at like 15 and a half, 16 stone. I tell you what, I found it heartbreaking in parts of this. I really did this documentary, right? And I, I was yeah. one of those people who loved and, and I haven't seen him for years, but came across very well in this. And I don't want to say feel sorry for somebody, but I, but I did feel sorry for him. And I just, I was thinking of it in, in like quite modern terms, thinking, who's advising you, mate? Who's, who's yeah. telling you yeah. what to do and what to say no to? Because he was such a nice bloke. That became his Achilles heel because he shouldn't have been doing bloody Noel's house party and dressing up in drag. And he shouldn't have been doing pantomime and he shouldn't have been doing 
I know that he was loved by the British public, but a lot of those, a lot of those people that loved him, mm. loved him because he was the sort of black bloke that they wanted yes. to be able yes. to love. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah. They wanted him to be quite happy with the status quo to, to yes. sort of assuage their own guilt, right? And he did that because he's a nice bloke, not because he's an Uncle Tom, because he, yes. you know, he's he's got a family to look after. He's got a white wife. He's got mixed race kids, and he, so he ended up just doing stuff like that. I thought he was poorly advised to do the bit when he won and, and you're at the, the zenith of your career and, you've, and you, everything you've worked for, you've achieved and, you, and you've been through, it's taken you a bloody long time to get there and you've worked your bollocks off to be in tears, trying mm. to tell somebody that you're not an uncle Tom. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was in tears I, watching that thinking you poor bastard, right? You shouldn't have to say that to these idiots. I find most of it really sad to watch. Yeah. yeah. Both him and Tyson's stories. I thought I was really going to enjoy this. Mm. And I really liked it. But bloody hell, that era of boxers were completely exploited. Bloody hell. Unbelievably so. And do you know what made me feel sorry for Bruno as well? He was always a boxer first and foremost. Yes. And you cannot claim that he didn't train his bollocks off and he fought the people who put in front of him and he fought and also you know he didn't duck fights he fought Tyson mm. who was seen as invincible mm. and he fought Lennox Lewis you yeah know, that's hats off you know you've, <laughs> you've done it the hard way and yeah he did you know, his house party and pantomime he did loads of pantomime and all that kind of stuff I remember him vividly on things like going live and kids telly and people would often bring that stuff up, that stuff up first yeah and they would yeah. say what have you been doing then Frank and he would you know he would well obviously I'm training for yeah but you're doing the pantomime blah, blah. and he said well I'm ducking and diving I'm ducking and diving yeah, yeah yeah and the reason I felt sorry for him was he's from working class very working class background in Brixton South London rough start in life ended up in a Borstal hmm. he had a big family to um, provide for yeah now he was being offered big money for this stuff oh yeah and yeah. you know as a, as a boxer he might fight once or twice a year maybe so you're going to do this stuff because of the money and he, he yeah, would yeah. stay ducking and diving and I felt really sorry for him because he was having to justify earning a living mm. yeah but it also builds you a bigger audience then for the bigger yeah. fights it makes you more marketable that's the, that's the real hard bit about boxing because also his fights were happening on terrestrial telly mm. well, they I was were say, huge it wasn't, events it wasn't just the fights. fact that there was th- three or four TV channels it was the fact there was no internet Noel's house party was that's what you did was also watched by like 18 million people. And he would be fighting on ITV. Yeah. Yeah. And and also because, you know, the only way you could consume any media or press was through the papers. So everyone bought paper. Pretty much yeah. every family in Britain had a newspaper of some sort. Well, at least one. Door. At least one. And he was on the front cover of every one of them. Mm. I mean, he was huge. He was. Mm. But with, with Frank, there's... Um, the interview was really scary. Like his eye, his eyesight was fucked by the time mm, yes. he fought Tyson the second time. Yeah, and he'd done it because he needed to provide for his family. And then in the dressing room beforehand, he thought, "Shit, I could get blinded." Yeah, and he said he got really scared and he thought, "This is crazy. This is absolute madness." And there's a book, there's a bit in the Hugh McAvaney book, uh, McAvaney Unboxing, which I think was my first choice yeah, ever. It was. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Where he said, where he describes. Tyson, um, Bruno's walk to the ring where he says um, 
you know, dry-mouthed and taut-faced, Bruno um, crossed himself repeatedly like a cardinal on speed. He looks terrified. Watching this again the other day, and I, I haven't seen it since the since the night I watched it the first time round. Yeah, yeah uh, there was no doubt in my mind that not only he was going to lose, but that he knew he was going to lose as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're going there against the most devastating puncher in, in the world, thinking. Fairly convinced, well, yeah, convinced that, you, that you're not going to win. The, you don't want to say that, obviously. But listening to his daughters talking, oh, saying, that's right. you know, they, they've watched Tyson walk Rural. into the ring. Yeah. Well, she's a little girl there in, the, in, that, in that video footage and she starts crying. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I said it's horrible. I said, because me and Kel watching, I said, my kids are like me driving to gigs and stuff. And, you know, I've got to go away or I'm going to go away for the night or whatever, you know, or doing yeah. filming stuff and I'm going to be away for a couple of days. Imagine watching your dad... And he's either going to go to a training camp for two weeks, or two months, I should say. Two months, yeah. yeah. Or he's going to go to Las Vegas and fight the most dangerous man on the planet. And that's, the, and that's your dad that you love and the, you know, that he loves yeah, you, yeah. bounces you on his knee. And, he, and you think, Christ, that's another way to make a living, then. And I love, I'm like you, Al, I love boxing. I watched that, I thought, I mean, Don King doesn't come out of it well again, does he? <laughs> but I tell you the hardest <laughs> bit to watch for me. Go on. And I'm a huge Des Lynham fan as well, right? Yeah, yeah. My love for Des Lynham is well documented, right? That bit of the sports personality when Tyson wins the overseas sports personality of the year. And then you've got that sort of satellite link up and he's, hi, Frank, how are you? And, and then you stand up in front of the cameras in front of, in front of an audience full of sports people and they show you dressed up as a woman yeah, doing like a pantomime yeah, dame yeah. on Noel's part. I thought, you fucking pricks for doing that. Yeah. I was, I was livid. Not with, Whoever the director was at that time, I thought, what, why are you doing that to him for now? For, for, yeah. a fucking, for a cheap laugh. And he's got to go and sit down amongst his peers now. He didn't do that stuff instead of boxing. No. Exactly. He did that stuff alongside his We did it alongside it. And also when he had the eye injury and he sort of semi-retired for a little mm. while as well because he wasn't sure if he could fight again. Imagine that. What, what's going to be your income then? I mean, it's a lot more money these days because there's more money in TV these days. But even then, there shouldn't... If you're the world heavyweight boxing champion, you should be set for life, shouldn't you? Yeah. Do you know which bit I loved, though? Go on. In the 1980s, commentators oh. on BBC and ITV were still meant to be impartial, and they yes. did a very good job Get of Get in there, Frank. Yes, so the way Harry Carpenter, who obviously had a very close personal relationship with Frank, he hits him pretty cleanly, I think, in the first round, and Harry loses himself. Get in there, Frank! Yeah. And they show, they show Carpenter just beforehand, and he says, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a heavyweight boxing. If Frank catches him, mm. then it's over. It could be over. And so all he's got to do is catch him once. Two things with Bruno. One is that what a devastate, devastated puncher he was. Oh, he was God, so yeah. strong. But also how resilient he was. You watch some of that. You watch some of those slow motion combos off, especially in the Tyson fights, with the uppercuts and stuff. Oh, and he yeah. just kept yeah. coming. I thought, fucking hell, mate, I'd be. <laughs> There's a knee. lot of bollocks about written. On forums about Frank Bruno having a glass chin. Well, that's oh, bullshit. Flipping. Some of the stuff he takes bollocks. in that fight. Absolute Jesus Christ. Nonsense. That, you know, any one of those would rip any one of our three heads clean off our shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most professional boxers, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just. It, it's like Alston, he wasn't, he wasn't fighting mugs. You, you fight Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson. The British press, their relationship with heavyweights, it was a similar relationship to the, to, to the one they'd had with Henry Cooper in the 60s where he was absolutely loved by the public and transcended his sport in the way 
Bruno yeah. did in the 1980s. But obviously it's the era of Sonny Liston and Muhammad Ali, and mm. he wasn't quite good enough, Henry Cooper. Mm. The th- the other, the other My other favourite bit of the whole thing is that he became world champion at Wembley, beating Oliver mm. McCall in 1995. And when the ring announcer goes, and the new, mm. the crowd... Gosh goes wild and mm. there is a throatiness to that roar because there have been people there who have followed Bruno for years. I wish he'd yeah. stopped after that fight. He, oh yeah, but it was just a sense of relief in the crowd. Mm. He's done it. Great. Yeah. He's done it. Yeah. Fine. At the, nearing the end of his career everyone knew he'd had problems with his eyes with you know, the detached retina. He should have just quit. Watching him kind of collapse and almost cry at that point but with a huge smile on his face because he says all he was ever yeah. waiting for were those words. Because that means that you've yeah. taken the title, and looking at his face, because I, I thought, oh yeah, everybody says that you just wait for the end, the new. But to actually see him physically, it just looked like everything was lifted off him. It's, it was bizarre. It's a bizarre image. I knew he'd had uh, problems with his mental health, mm. and when he was sectioned in the early two thousand, some really awful headlines mm. in the tabloids. Really, especially oh, the well, particular the sun. There's a first edition of one of the papers that didn't exist for very long. Yeah, it's the sun. Yeah, yeah. No, it was bonkers. Bruno banged up. That's it, and that disappeared within a couple of hours. Awful, vile. Yeah. Mm. And the thing with Bruno is, I because of his TV persona, I. I'd done him a disservice, really, and had forgotten that he is a completely dedicated athlete and more dedicated than I've ever been to anything in my life. It's sort of haunted, really, by the two losses to Tyson. When he meets Tyson at the end of the film and they get on, um, and he says, oh, yeah, you know, that's a weight off my shoulders now. I can, Mm. I feel a bit relaxed. It hadn't occurred to me that those two matches in 89 and 96 would weigh so heavily on his mind. I found that fascinating because purely as uh, someone who's tried to make documentaries down the years, you think, okay, we reunite these people, it creates a narrative, there'll be conversation. But there was very little, uh, in inverted commas, material from that that looked any good. The actual bit of them two sitting down on the sofa, I didn't think there was much in it. Yeah. But then hearing Frank say that, mm. you go, oh, fuck it, I don't care. If he's got something yeah, yeah, out of this yeah. experience yeah. of meeting Tyson. There's a bit in Tyson's face when you talk about his eyes and they're talking about how he could have gone blind. Tyson just sort of looks off into the mid-distance. I'm going to be harsh. I thought it was a really weak payoff Yeah. until that bit. And, and because you've got two, two people, obviously very good boxers... Tyson never had much of a personality, I didn't think, right? He always seems like a very insular sort of fellow, and obviously he's, he's quite... Yes. He talks about he's been sections on numerous occasions. He's, he's, he's obviously quite a damaged individual. And then yeah. Bruno has had his, had his issue as well. So they end up with a camera crew there, and those two blokes on the sofa, I thought, well, you're not going to get the spark there. There's not going to be great conversation. There's not going to be... You know, yeah. they're not the sort of, and they're, and they're boxers. They're, they're unlikely to sort of open up about their deepest feelings with each other. That's not the way they do things. Having read um, Undisputed Truth, his autobiography, he was always very dismissive of most of the people he fought. They'd sparred with each other when they were very young, when Tyson was about 15 and Bruno was 20. Yeah. In New York, you know, way before they were famous. 
And he'd been quite dismissive of Bruno because I think he'd accused him of training like a bodybuilder rather than a yeah. or a weightlifter rather than a boxer. And the British and the American boxing press were never particularly they never took Bruno particularly seriously. Mm. So when he turns up at Tyson's house and is greeted very warmly, I did find that very satisfying because I was I was I was just glad that Tyson didn't go, oh, all right. <laughs> And they, they didn't. They did like he didn't seem, know he was coming. Yeah. Oh, hello. And <laughs> and it did seem to be a, a genuine warmth well, you between the, the two of them. The second fight. So when he beats Bruno, then and he comes over to the ring and he can't stop basically hugging him and and and, and talking to him and kissing him on top of the head. There seemed to be real affinity there, real affection between him and Bruno there. But Bruno gave him that. Title shot, didn't he? And obviously, he's box office. You're not going to say no to a, to a Tyson fight, even if you are the champion. Yeah. He is the challenger. But I mean, but when he, the, the thing with Tyson at the end, even though there's respect there, Tyson's one of those people that you would be on absolute pins with all oh, the time. I mean, you'd be you on eggshells. Might go wrong. Yeah, and it can go wrong quickly and 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 very dangerously. Like that, they show that that bloody. I'd never seen that interview before. Robin Givens when he sat when oh he sat God. next to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How weird was that? And she's basically saying what a nutcase he is and, and what, how violent he is and how he's, yeah. you know, he's suicidal and he's manic-depressed. I was like, Christ, this is tough to watch. Do you know what? I've just found this bit about why he fought Tyson the second time. The enormity of all he faced seemed to suddenly hit Bruno in the last minutes before he made his ring walk. When your eye is not right, your mind is there 80%, but the other 20% is worried about your sight. The reality hits you in your dressing room, so I just went out there and winged it. Imagine winging it against Mike Tyson. <laughs> I'll just riff on this, guys. The fight only went three rounds before he stopped me. You could say it's brave, but it's very stupid. One of the most crazy things I've ever done. It would have been wise to retire after I won the world title against Oliver McCall, but I've got kids who go to private school. Private school for each kid costs a million pounds. I've got four kids, and all four have been to private school. One of them is still there. Don't go to private school. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Serious off four million quid. My kids wanted to go to private school, but the... You're going to be blind. the condition that I had to fight Mike Tyson first yeah. with a bad eye. Yeah. <laughs> so this, I've, I've been reading through the fees here. This is a million yeah, pounds yeah, yeah. a year and, and, and blindness. Yeah. Family, right? family meeting. Family meeting. Everyone yeah. around the table. I understand that the resources are very good. But Dad loves his eyesight. <laughs> but Daddy, oh, Daddy. so selfish, Dad. It's yeah. one teacher to seven kids. <laughs> I'm, 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 Come on, yes, Daddy. I get that. But Dad, they've got a cricket pitch and a rugby pitch. Yeah, that's great. There's a swimming pool, But Dad. realistically, you're not going to be a cricketer or a rugby player. Not if I don't go there, I'm not. <laughs> Plus, your level of education is going to be better in a good state school than a private school anyway, so don't bother. Because you're going to get better teachers. I've been in both sorts of schools, and it's an absolute, absolute myth that the quality of teaching is better in private schools. Complete myth. There are often people that couldn't, literally couldn't get a job in the state system. I'm not going to fight Mike Tyson either way. <laughs> no, I know. Just, I just so you know, no, 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 yeah, yeah. it's a really convincing argument and they're, it'll help. They're, they're being but, state educated yeah. in this scenario. I'm sorry, oh, mate. Yeah. That's, just, that's just the way it is. Betty, he is the baddest man on the planet. <laughs> would you send your kids to private school, would you? Well, no. to fight Derek Chisora, maybe. <laughs> um... <laughs> Fury, no. <laughs> Joshua, no. <laughs> Fury's little brother, maybe. Yeah, I'd fight Wilder if he'd worn that heavy suit on the way in. And kept it on. Yeah. Seen that Fury's calling up that Logan Paul dude now, hasn't he? Well, the Fury's little kid. brother. 
The little, yeah, the one who's in the thingy, Bob, the reality thing. I mean, I've used little advisedly. Yeah. <laughs> See his dad on the interview going, he's never used weights in his life. Oh, is he well, bollocks, he has, not? He yeah. has. Good looking boy, mind, isn't he? Oh, God, I, yeah. Good shape on him. Actually, for that Logan Paul, do you know, I watch the clips, I don't follow YouTubers at all, right? I thought it was going to be like in Ricky Gervais against Grant Bovey in the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bob, Bob Mortimer back in there. But it was nothing like that. I mean, he could, you know, he could bang a bit. So I was going to well, slag him out online, and then I well, thought, "Well, no, but he's just got, checking." Well, you you fancy the fight with him? Yeah, slag I him thought, out online. No, get six million. I watched it and thought, "No, nah, probably not." He's all right. <laughs> I'll fight him in a phone box, but I mean that'd be about it. It's all it's all disappointing when Loudmouth can back it up, isn't it? I'm a right dick, I am. Are you? And I'm hard. Oh, for fuck's sake! Fuck's sake! <laughs> Logan Paul chanting shit. Want a fight? No, no, no thanks. Oh, I'm all right. This goes. <laughs> I am not calling. Oh, well, give me Logan six months. Give me six what? months and three million quid and I'll do it. <laughs> I want the promise of three million from Eddie Hearns. And that is a guarantee there, Eddie, for listening. Yeah, Eddie, if you fancy it, mate. You've seen Rocky. This is, this, is, this is the rags to riches story you've been dreaming of, Eddie. Mike will fight Logan. I'll fight his brother. Someone give me six months to train for something. Someone give you six months to train for it and there's a guarantee of one million quid. Right. Who wouldn't you fight? Tax free. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a, hell? I'm a, Jesus. I want to clear a million. Okay, you can... A million net. Okay, million net. Yeah. Six months to train. Yeah. Is there... Who would boxing, boxing rules in, in a boxing ring? In a boxing ring, you can keel over after 10 seconds if you want to. No one's going to take course, your money off you. There's always that option. I've got to fight it. You, you can go down really the humiliation easily. humiliation option. If I had six months to train, I'd probably be, with my frame... You could get down to light heavy... I'd probably drop below light heavy. Yeah. I don't know. But I'd be around there, yeah. Okay, so who would I not fight? Nobody for that for that cash. Yeah. Are we talking Fair real boxes? The, the wor- I mean, like, oh, yeah. No, 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 we're talking ghost no, boxes. No, but I mean, we're talking real Mike's, boxes. Mike's almost 50 yeah. step. A real boxer would... Well, so is George Foreman. Yeah, but he... I also don't have a million tax-free out, yeah. but it's, it's are, a game. Are these boxes, young boxes, or boxes your age, Mike? Alvarez. For a you million fight, Canelo, net. fight Canelo for a million net. Yes, yeah, fine. At light heavy. Because the worst, well, I've seen the worst. The worst that happens is like get killed. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's yeah. I mean, that that's how it works. That, it's fairly yeah. unlikely. Mm. It's very, very likely I get knocked out. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I yeah. say it's a race and certainty. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say a given. <laughs> a given. Yeah. Would you get concussion for a million pounds? I mean, Frank Bruno would look positively buoyant compared to me walking through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me. In no one's by a ginger Mexican. I've been I've been knocked out for nothing. So <laughs> knocked out for a million quid is fine. <laughs> and he'd probably enjoy the training. You just, oh, yeah? You'd just be terrible company the day before the fight. <laughs> On the night of the fight. Yeah. And, the, and for the few days after when you've got a split in there, dude. <laughs> you haven't woken up, you're in a coma. <laughs> We're playing you old episodes of the podcast. Yeah. Alice has made a tape saying that you complete me and just put up playing on a, just just on a playing loop. On a loop. <laughs> I just realised if people haven't heard the Michael Owens movie club, yeah. then me making reference to Alice telling me... <laughs> That, like, he completes you. I know, but stuff him. I thought no, that, I thought no that earlier, but that's great. I don't care. Yeah, oh well. You missed an in joke. That's what you need to know. <laughs> who would I fight for a million pounds? No, who you who, who wouldn't, wouldn't you fight? fight? I know who I'd like to fight. Who? Andrew Marr. Andrew who? Marr. 
What a great, what a great choice. I reckon, I reckon, I reckon I could be, he's, you know. He's, Andrew Marr, the bloke with the stroke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's, the political commentator who's had a stroke. He's, he's, elderly. <laughs> elderly. The elderly, the elderly weak stroke victim, Andrew Marr. He's a good 20 years older than that. Well, that'd be a funny mate, but great if you get work. a million quid for that, good luck to you. <laughs> yeah, well done. Good marketing. Eddie Hearn has surpassed himself. Fair play, fair play to Eddie for selling that one to Sky. I wonder what the, <laughs> how they'd sell that. James oh versus Ma. It's war. The clash of the shitans? I don't know. That'd be, so, <laughs> be something terrible. Undisputed. When movable force meets resistible <laughs> object. <laughs> I wouldn't find any professional boxer. Because it would be mountainous. But yeah, so yeah. Andrew Ma would be You would for the money. Oh, no. You would for a million. Clear, clear a million. There's your, you know. You're trying oh, to buy a new house. God, Bang, house done. House free. No mortgage. But unable to enjoy it. Unless he caught you one of those fluke shots that just does a lot of damage. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it wouldn't be like when you see a boxer in there getting brain damage because he's taken a severe beating and kept coming. Oh, I'd be on the floor in, in the seconds. The first time Derek Chisora wangs me on the chin, I'm... I'm Hey, uh, well, yeah. I was going to say I'm going straight down, but I imagine I have no choice of the matter, right? The bit where they're doing the weigh-in, you go head-to-head, head, just going... Derek, would you mind hitting me in the body yeah. mostly? Would that be okay? Just a little bit of kidney damage would be know, lovely. Mate. I don't know. I'd be thinking it'd be worse. Can you, don't... can you just give me loads of dead arms? Could I just have a TKO for not defending myself? I'll just sort of... Just go take a knee straight away. I'll just keep turning my back on you and I'll get disqualified and everyone's happy. Don't hit me too hard in case I shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> on national telly. Would you shit yourself on telly for a million pounds? On pay-per-view, because Derek Chisora has hit you so hard. Yeah. So Andrew Marr caught him with an uppercut and he shat himself. He literally <laughs> soiled himself in the middle of the ring. Andrew Marr's knocked you out <laughs> and you shat yourself. And the weird thing was, it was a left-right combo. <laughs> <laughs> Which took everyone by surprise, including Andrew Marr. If Andrew's listening to this, by the way. You know, oh, fair play. Ella will fight you for a million quid, Andrew. Andrew yeah. Not backing down from it. All, all the Scottish Andrews. <laughs> I thought the other dude. Who's, who's the fellow on the politics show? Andrew Neil, is it? Yeah, Andrew Oh, Neil. yeah, take him on. He's he doesn't look like he'd last around. He's yeah, but he wouldn't. He would just move him around the ring. He's out of shape, like, isn't he, surely? I'd punch, I'd punch his hair transplant off. What, whatever that shape was initially, he's not in it anymore. <laughs> There's a few people I'd like to fight, but I'm not going to mention them on here. No. I already have mentioned him on it. I was going to say. I reckon I could beat. I reckon I could beat Mitchell. Which Mitchell? Uh, as in Nicholas Mitchell, the ex. Uh, oh, Mitchell! I thought. Yeah, the ex, the ex royal correspondent. They're taking on Grant. Both the Mitchell brothers. Billy, maybe. <laughs> who, would you, who would you not fight for a million quid, Steph? I, I, I'm kind of on your way of thinking. Where yeah, it's a million quid, I'm gonna. You know, any professional boxer hits me in the stomach, I'm going down. Not out of choice. Oh, that would be horrible. But oh, I'd never get back up again during the awful. fight, so that would be fine. Mm. But even if they hit me on the head, I wouldn't get... So there would be about three punches involved in it. I'd have a very tight guard. Yeah. Proper gloves up on my ears, elbows tucked in. I would flex the fuck out of my abs. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, just ho- and just hope for the best. And the first thing hit me on the, on the hands, bang, I'm going over. Mate, it'd be like a 1970s mafia boss had paid me off. You wouldn't... I'd be on the floor... <laughs> Be all the angles, all, all the commentators trying to uh, justify why you went down. Yeah, yeah. Really no, I think if you watch this, get in there, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine Cole cocking him though. I dare just saw. I just slip. I just slip it and whap. 
and he's down. That'd be hilarious. And then what he, he, he hasn't trained because he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. It's a matter of shape, 50-year-old Welshman. I've not felt Eric Chisora <laughs> in the first round. God, I'd be the hardest comic in the world. <laughs> Eddie, make it happen. I'll fight him in your back garden. <laughs> it's a nice back garden, that is. I know. A million net, please. <laughs> don't, don't sting and, me with and any the, tax. And the, and the best medical attention money can buy. <laughs> Million pounds, please, Mr. Bubbins. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> no insurance. You were chuffed. The bandage says you've had a spleen transplant and you owe us a million quid. <laughs> right, those of you who have not signed up to the Patreon, you are not about yeah. to get the second round of clips. That's, that's gone. That's gone right. for you. Those of you who are signed up, so what is it? Patreon.com slash DistantPod. One quid per yep. episode is all you need to chuck into yep. the kitty. That's fine. So four quid a month, and you'll get the second round of clips as part of the deal. Which you, which you used to get before. But you don't get now. When we, when we, when we, when we were mugs. Tried to cajole you for, for a year. We were fools, Mike. We were mugs. We've been mugged we're off. Fool, fools to ourselves. Fools to entertainment. And now you're going to go straight to the books. Yeah. Well, the book. My book. The book. Which I was going to I was going to also put behind a paywall that someone moaned about recently. But um, Paywall. Uh, yeah. But Ellis being... Educated. You know, the library set us free. Well, as I yeah. discussed as last week... The, the books go out to the free Should I win well. £460 million or sell my gym company for £460 million? Quid? My kids' school... Their library will be getting £40 from me. So I am a passionate advocate of reading. There you go. Well, I feel awful because the book I'm going to pick, um, unless, of course, I was going to say in a minute, but if you if you have paid £4 a minute... Oh, if you paid uh, your £4 a month... A month you've, got th- you, you've, got th- you've got three clips coming okay. up. Okay. And then I'll do the Here book. they come. But in, but in oh, real yeah. time, yeah. Yeah. smash the fourth okay, wall hang for on, seconds I'm confused. Go on. We we've already done the second round of clips, haven't we? And there were some pearls yeah. for the pearls Mike, as well. Mike has admitted oh. something that I cannot believe I've known Mike for thirteen years. Is it that long? It is that long as well. Is it maybe even fourteen years? Maybe till end of two thousand and seven. And I didn't know this. And it's another one of those stories that I cannot believe mm. I didn't know. But now you know if you pay for the Patreon. Yeah. And there we go. That is called a teaser. So the book I've picked, now I feel bad. Do you know why? Because I, I, I joke about um, saying things like they know who they are because I can never remember when it comes around to the actual do the pod who's given me stuff for free this month, right? Well, it's or a convenient out for you. It's fine. Yeah. But what I always make a point of doing then is going back and saying, mm. thanks for that. I always, I always send a little thank you note. Or oh, personally thanking them, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's nice. I'll say, as long as you know that I'm not going to mention you by name on the pod, because I'll, I'll, I will forget, right? Yeah. And that's that's fine. But I always thank people in person. The problem is at the moment, and there's so many ways to get a hold of people, right? So you've yeah. got WhatsApp messages, you've got Facebook. you got you got your Facebook. WhatsApps. you got, you got your Facebooks. Yeah. you got your, your saps. you got your saps, your, your books, your grams, right? <laughs> your grams. You want a gram? Yeah, I'm on the gram. <laughs> It does. You've got, you've got them all, haven't you? So, it does. 
I need to start writing things down as they happen because I, I just lose track. Real-time diary. People send me loads of nice stuff these days. I'm very, very grateful for it. Um, I mean, no one sent me the, the anything proper like a car yet. But, you know, talk's nice. Um, someone bought, bought that. Anyway, someone bought this book for me, and I, and I, I will find that. I'll go through the various um, means of contacting me, and I'll find out who it was. So it's, you, you would love this, by the way. Um, it's called King of the World, Muhammad Ali and the Rise of an American Hero. Uh, by David Remnick, um, nice. who's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. I'll just show the boys the cover. Ooh. It's brilliant, and, and, and it looks at the era. It looks at early Ali, uh, from the Cassius Clay into the sort of Muhammad Ali era. It's, it's. I'm only on chapter. Well, I've just started chapter three uh, earlier today, but it is a. It's a fabulous. It is a such a well written book. My God. Anyway, I'm going to read you a little bit. So it's 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 a story of American life at that time, you know, and and. And I think Muhammad Ali is probably the most fascinating sports star probably ever. Uh, and I've read a lot of Ali stuff, but this is, I haven't read this before and um, I'm really enjoying this. I'm, but um, I'm, like I said, it's early days for me, but he seems to put a lot into the his opponents as well. So he's, it doesn't just sort of pay lip service to Liston. It'll, you know, he wants to dig deep about Sonny Liston and talk about, talk about his story as well. So this bit is chapter three, which I started earlier on today. Um, Years later, when Liston was spending his time with thumbbreakers and casino rummies in Las Vegas, he sensed his life heading towards oblivion. The history of fighters is the history of men who end up damaged. The great Sam Langford at the beginning of the century, barred by the colour line from fighting for the title and left blind and broke. Joe Louis, strung out on cocaine and running from the IRS. Being Jack, shining shoes at the Fontainebleau Hotel. Ike Williams, fleeced by the mob and in debt to the government. Two-ton Tony Galento, wrestling an octopus and boxing a kangaroo to make a living. Liston knew he could expect no better. Someday, they're going to write a blues song just for fighters, he once said. It'll be for slow guitar, soft trumpet and a bell. From start to finish, Liston's life was a mean one, run by careless people, and so a mournful blues, an instrumental, just as he arranged it. Seems right, and the whole the, the whole book's like that. That's good. I'm like, oh wow! Jeez. So, yeah, it's just really, really. It's one you know one of those books that you read, and in your mind you're doing like James Earl Jones or yeah, yeah, absolutely, or yeah. Morgan or Morgan Freeman. You're like, oh, yes, God, this, this is yeah, yeah. You know, two things happened after that day. <laughs> the sister never I bothered did. Andy again. Bothered I like doing that with kids' again. books. Yeah. Doing that in yeah. that voice of red. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that hungry caterpillar sure did turn from an old chrysalis. <laughs> I think it's quite a fun game because they don't know what you're doing. Beautiful butterfly. He was the smartest giant in town. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the, it is called, uh, like I said, it's called King of the World: Muhammad Ali and the Rise of an American Hero by uh, David Remnick. One of the best sports books of the 1990s. So the Sunday Times and. Um, yeah, it's a fabulous. It's a it's a great read. It's just, I love. I know this sounds a weird thing to say. I love words. I love I, lo- I love words. I, I fucking love words. I just love my them. favorite you know I mean? thing about reading. My favorite words. Favorite thing to do with letters, like, is make words out of them. But um, I, I love words, but I I also love swearing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. 
I don't think it shows a lack of vocabulary. I think it shows a creativity if you call someone a fucking shit house with their face. So, um, patreon.com slash distant pod. Yeah. If you want the super extended version of the podcast, let's be honest. Have mm. a look at how long. How, have a look, right? If this is the free version, have a look at how long this is now. Mm. That's pretty bloody long anyway. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. So you're getting your value for money because you're not paying any money. Yeah. <laughs> that Good point. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's the very definition <laughs> of value for money. Okay. Yeah. People moan that we've, we've gone behind a paywall. We've not right? gone behind a paywall. Look at how long well, this was. Well, A, we haven't gone behind a paywall. But B, you know, I, that doesn't, I can't take that to the, to, to, to the Principality Building Society when I've got to pay the mortgage next month. Can we have your mortgage, please, Mr. Bevins? Mm, I would, mm. but people have a problem with the paywall. So I'm unfortunately... <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm going to have to ask you to let me off for the next 25 years. It's uh, one of those... It's, it's one medium where they just expect it for free. Sorry. They're getting loads for free. <laughs> Sorry. Isn't it? Yeah. There's nothing I could do about it. I set up the wrong medium. I wouldn't mind if someone had paid full whack for this. If someone was paying like 15 quid a week for this and then you burned a copy of it off on a TDK 90. Yeah. I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it. You know, if it was like the top, like burning the top 40 back in the day. We'd be getting paid what Sunita was getting paid, yeah? Yeah. In that scenario. Yeah, or Adam and the Ants yeah. or whatever. Well, yeah, well, different strokes, different folks, mate. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were a Sunita man. I do apologise. I'm getting foot top stock aching Waterman dollar here, yeah? I was more of an Adam and the Ants man, but there we go. That's fine. That's up to you. But Adam was getting paid, is your point? Yeah, they all got paid. Marco, Merrick, Terry Lee, Gary Tibbs, and yours truly. First record I ever bought, Ant Music. Like, really, or is that your cool answer? No. Al, what was your first record? Everything I Do, I Do It For You by (laughs) Brian Adams. Strong. Uh, And I'll Be Back by Arnie and the Terminators. I bought two singles in the same week. Is that that a thing? I'd never even heard of that. It is. It was a tie-in, a very loose tie-in with Terminator 2. Although I'd, I'd already bought a couple of albums I owned... Bad by Michael Jackson, and I owned Ten Good Reasons by Jason Donovan. Album. What an album. Great start. Terminator 2, mate, by the way, one of the best sequels of all time. Probably better than the original, even. The original's great. I mean, they're, they're, I, I love them both, actually. I saw one of, one of our followers said the other day on social media that they'd really gotten into rugby after listening to this. And mm. then... Um, Alex Winters replied to him saying, oh, you have to get into Scrum 5 now. And he replied saying, I haven't seen Scrum 1 to 4 yet. <laughs> Give me a chance. Which I thought was an absolute perler. <laughs> Patreon.com slash DistantPod is where you need to go uh, for the full version. Four quid a month for that. Um, and DistantPod.com is where you can go to find out about any potential live stuff. Mm. Uh, you can find the episodes there and you can find our shop there as well. 